Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support the show, go to patreon.com slash laststandmedia. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today, and welcome to episode 41 of Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast. As always, I'm joined by the Iron Lord himself, Lord Cognito. Yo, Maddie, what's going on? Fresh cut. The legend is in the building. I'm <laughs> feeling very energized. Let's do it, man. Absolutely. And as always, well, not really as always, I apologize. We are joined with a special guest from IGN, Ryan McCaffrey. Ryan, thank you so much for being here today. Gentlemen, it is a pleasure, although uh, I'm going to call you out. I'm just just appearing. I've been on the show oh, for two seconds. <laughs> I'm on the Defining Duke podcast, and I do not see a single Duke controller in the shot. Yep. In either one of you, Ooh, I came prepared. This is painful. Okay. <laughs> I came prepared for this podcast because you know I'm a master of of uh, proper preparation. Listen, Prepar- you I was going to say clearly we're not running this show right at this point. Bro. We just got OG so, checked you know, by that's, the OG. I'm just, you know, just, uh, just putting it out there. It's like, uh, you know. <laughs> He's right. He's right. Oh, it's an oversight that has to be corrected. We cannot be the Dukes with no Duke controller. He is absolutely right. <laughs> I need to verify here. Is it okay if we have the Hyperkin? Do we need the OG Duke? No. I mean, this is, I'm cheating. This is the Hyperkin. Uh, I don't even know if I still have an original. Is that a display piece or do you use that? No, this is real. I mean, this is a, this one works. Yeah, no, I'm saying, do you actually use it no. when you play? Or, no, I on, like, <laughs> I I never liked it, honestly. <laughs> oh, I no. Never, it's got this cult status, but no, I was a controller-esque guy. It just felt... I always do. The, the, you know, you got to reach so far up to get to the black and white buttons on yeah. the, on the yeah. Duke, whereas they're on the, you know, they're on the bottom. They're below the face buttons on mm-hmm. the, on the yeah. controller-esque. So, yeah, I just, I think the controller-esque was, you know, certainly a 10 times better of a controller. I totally get the, the legend agree. of the Duke, but... You know, uh, it's 
It's it's for display only. It's a, you yeah. have to wonder when they were testing the controller whose hands they were testing it on. Because I was a little kid when I used the Duke for the first, Thorpe, first maybe? time. And I'm just like, Otis Thorpe. <laughs> Anyone under like 40, that just went right over their heads. Yeah, in, we're here, in, brother. We're here. We're in pocket. <laughs> Good NBA player. And, uh, and known okay. for having like the biggest the hands in the hands. league. Like yeah. the, the basketball <laughs> was like a tennis ball on that dude's hand. Absolutely, brother. <laughs> well, we got a great episode ahead of us. A lot of exciting news. I was telling Cog originally, I was like, I don't know, you know, should we save Ryan for uh, another week? You know, I'm feeling like news is slow. And Cog, he, he pumped Man, the brakes you, on brother. me. I got it's you. Like, Hold I the line. Coming. Hold the yeah. line. Great <laughs> news week. Perfect timing. Even some breaking stuff from Ryan that we'll get to. Yes, absolutely. And so we're going to hustle our way there. Let's get it. But before we begin, we just want to let everyone know we got Defining Duke Ultimate episode 37 up right now. It was a technical disaster. So yes. there is only the audio version. We apologize for that. But on our end, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. That is no exaggeration. But for those who are interested, it is a episode on our backwards compatible wish list for Xbox with the anniversary approaching. We're hoping that maybe they do something there to celebrate the history of Xbox. Fingers crossed. And so we made a list of each of our top three and then some honorable mentions. And we want to hear from you on that. So go ahead, give it a listen. Leave us some comments on what you want to see added to Back Compat. Also, as always, early access for the show goes live on Thursdays over on patreon.com slash Media. Free feeds everywhere else on Sunday. With that, we have a lot more write-ins to go into in this episode, more than we ever had in a previous episode because a lot of you responded in kind to our discussion at the beginning of episode 40 of Defining Duke. So thank you all so much for writing in in excess and giving us a lot of options. I wanted to reward the audience for that. First one is a correction from David Ponce. Just a minor correction. Last episode, you were talking about how FPS boost should eventually impact the older Elder Scrolls games and that they needed to boost resolution too. However, Oblivion already runs at 4K, as does Morrowind. The latter even runs at 60 frames. Fallout 3 is also in 4K. The odd one out is New Vegas, which still runs at an original resolution and frame rate from the 360. It's, I find that so weird. It's my, it's my fault, by the way. I did forget this entirely. Uh, yeah, I, funny too. enough, I even mentioned it in a video. But New Vegas being the odd one out is a little bit of an eyebrow raiser to me, especially with how long Obsidian's been in the family compared to Bethesda. But it's true. true. I digress. We, we were incorrect last episode, so thank you so much, yes. David, for writing in, keeping us sharp. Absolutely. Next one comes from Brandon Breland. Hey, Maddie and Lord Cog. Before I submit my question... I just wanted to give you a huge compliment to the show. I've been listening since episode zero. And ever since Cog joined the show, I feel like the energy has been lifted greatly. I would agree. Much you both it. have awesome chemistry together. and Y'all are rocking it. Anyways, on to my question. This has been a point of debate on sacred symbols. So I had to have the Duke's answer as well. What are your guys' thoughts on the bidet? Is it unnecessary and essential? No opinion whatsoever. The Dukes in the audience have to know. All right, we have to answer Brandon's question in kind. Cog, yeah, I'm looking at you, brother. Like I said, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout out to Colin. Uh, uh, you know, me and him share very similar thought processes here. As far as the bidet, um, I know Dustin at the last stand of media uh, physical event. He's a big fan of it. He tried to get Colin to use it when he uh, visited mm. his home. Colin uh, refused based on uh, his concerns with cleanliness and the way the... Uh, Why the, the refusal? Yes. The, I don't get that. And I understand the logic. That's all I'm saying. But shout out to my bidet users. God bless. Do your thing. God, just, you know, I'm just more of a conventional guy. Just conventional. That's all. 
<laughs> we'll talk about it in a moment. I want to get we want to round things out. Let's get Ryan's take on bidets, you know, because we, we need everyone's thoughts represented here before we have a, a, a real true discussion on this. Is this why he wanted me on was to talk about <laughs> bidets? No, it's uh, of course. I have to say I've never been asked this question before. So and on the many podcasts I've done over the years. So shout out to you guys for that. Uh, I will say I am open to the idea. I've heard a lot of great things from a lot of people uh, in my life, but I will say I've actually never tried it because I've never encountered one. Just mm. maybe I don't hang with wealthy mm. enough people. I don't know, but <laughs> I, I've never encountered one. So I've never had the opportunity to uh, to take a spritz. So, yeah. <laughs> so we have one person who's never encountered before. We have one who's... God, you're showing some ignorance here, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you no, got, I've encountered it, though. I've encountered it. Have you said no to it? Have you not I even like, tried it? <laughs> really? Is it like the sogginess of, of it all? Like... Do you, do you worry you'll just be wet back there for a while? It like, just doesn't, I don't know. It just doesn't click with me for some reason. And maybe <laughs> maybe it is ignorance. Maybe I just need to try it. And then before I can comment and refuse it, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> you you educate me. You you seem to be the, cool. the bidet master here. The, well, the see, I wouldn't even say that. I wouldn't even say that. Because what's interesting is I, I'm still an adopter of it. Uh, mm. I You know, when I'm at my girlfriend's house, she has a bidet there. Um, her, her parents' house, there's a bidet there. At my house, we've been trying to install one. But the way the water pipes are set up it's just it's just not looking likely at the end of the day so i've been trying to for three years now work this bidet into my household i just can't get the job done it's impossible and my parents are against it too so i'm fighting this uphill battle so but here's the thing when i'm at my girlfriend's house there's a sense of cleanliness that's not on me any other day of the week and that just needs to be put out there doesn't mean i'm dirty like when you shook my (laughs) hand at last day media you know i'd say i was still in a clean state but I don't know, man. Bidets just bring an extra layer that you don't got to worry about anymore. Respectfully, respectfully. <laughs> respectfully, he says. He's like, okay. All right. <laughs> I'll let you have that, brother. <laughs> More importantly, let's talk about what games we're playing. Ryan, as our guest, I want to pass it off to you. What have you been messing around with this week? I, uh, I confess I have not started yet, but now that it's on Game Pass, I am really, I'm ready to dive in. Like as soon as this show's over, Back for Blood, which is behind me. I am uh, very eager to get going on that. I got to play in the alpha last summer. Boy, that was wow! How did, that was that that long ago already. But mm-hmm. it was uh, it was everything that I wanted it to be, which was basically Left 4 Dead 3. And uh, what I've heard from everyone who's been playing it so far now that it's out is exactly that. That it is. It feels like Left 4 Dead 3, which was clearly the prime directive of this entire project at Turtle Rock. So. I'm eager to dive in. Uh, this is the fact that it's on Game Pass. Hopefully, means there's going to be a real healthy community there for at least the foreseeable future. So, yeah, for the for the younger generation that maybe never got to play Left 4 Dead or it was kind of a you know they were a little young for it, it's it's just a kind of infinitely replayable zombie horde shooter. But uh, the way that Turtle Rock does it, at least the way they did it back with Left 4 Dead, was just a really smart way. The the, the monsters change the enough right. of it stays fresh where you just want to keep running it over and over and you have a good time. Nice. 
Yeah, Cog, I saw, I saw you were playing it as well. Do you, yeah. you share some of these sentiments? Yeah, totally agree. Left 4 Dead is a cult classic. You know, um, it, this is literally the spiritual successor in every way. It's so much fun. A romp with friends, started that, having a ball. Also, uh, I was talking about uh, Phoenix Point, Last Defining Duke. So I'm still playing that from the legend Julian Gallup. If you're an XCOM fan, this is the OG, the you know, original corrector, uh, creator from, I believe it's a... Uh, XCOM UFO Defense PlayStation. That was my first XCOM game. So he made that and that got me into the series. So salute to him that it's a ball. XCOM may have to learn some things for Phoenix Point. They've, they've created some cool aspects there. And then this cool little uh, top-down racer, Circus Superstars, kind of like a RC Pro-Am meets Motorola from TG16. Mm. So mm. much fun. Very difficult. Very difficult. <laughs> but at least Cog skill. Or maybe Cog has to get good. <laughs> but um, it, it is just, I love the art style. I love the multiplayer aspect of it. Just you know, very, very cool. A lot of potential. I think Square Enix makes it. And it's a ball, man. It's a ball. I've been, I've been really enjoying it. What about you, Manny? I have been playing this week for the first time. I beat it. Resident Evil 4. Oh. Never played it before. This is especially weird because with Resident Evil 4, uh, or just the series in general, sorry, I've played pretty much every one of them to completion. Some of them multiple times, but 4 has just eluded me. I've never got around to it. I always hear people say, like, it's the greatest game of all time. And I'm not even exaggerating. I've told... Five different people this week. Yeah, I'm playing for the first time. Every single one of them went, oh, it's one of my favorites of all time. And so going in, I had high expectations. And I got to say, this is a rare moment where I'm like, I get it. Mm. I actually get it. I understand why people like this game so much. Not that I was resisting that. For me, five, still my favorite. I have a special place in my heart for Resident Evil 5. But four, man, it's really good. I mean, there's a, a goofiness to it. But I'm almost scared about this remake that's been rumored. Uh, for a long while now, and apparently it's coming next year. Uh, I just, I look at it and I'm like, I don't know how necessary it is, mm. especially because like at first I went, oh yeah, the controls. Like, yeah, this can control a lot better. But then you realize that's as you adjust to it and you get better at the game, it's part of the difficulty. It's part of the charm of the game. And there are certain things that the way the story is told that I think could be better. Right. And that could help in a remake. But as I was playing it, looking at it through that lens, I was thinking to myself, I don't know how badly this needs a remake personally. And I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but yeah, first time playing it through, loved it. Took me about 14 hours. Really good game though. Nice. So I saw you suplexing the, the zombie. Yes. Dude, <laughs> I saw you clip. Yeah, I shot him I right in the knee and, and suplexed him down a flight of stairs. I went, yeah, this game's great. Yeah, I, great. I, I just, it's what I love about Resident Evil. Like in five, you have Chris yeah. uh, punching a boulder. Like it's just, there's it's just stuff it's like that that's top. ridiculous. I, I yeah, love it. it's oh, great. One, one real thing I forgot is uh, Destiny 2 Game Pass debut. Mm. And uh, as opposed to the Steam, so I'm still going to stick to my prediction, Maddie. I believe, I'm holding on, I think okay. there's still a chance Witch Queen may come to Game Pass as you get closer to release. Because I find it very interesting that they have decided to make their own version for Game Pass now. Because it initially came with Beyond Light to console only. So I'm, I'm holding on to my theory. Okay. Dude, I respect it. We got two hanging on theories here. We got me with Battlefield on Game Pass. We got you with with Destiny. Which uh, was it? Which Queen? Sorry, yep. Which Queen? That other language I can't speak. The <laughs> Destiny language. <laughs> Destiny language. I know. I know. <laughs> if you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. 
Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, let's get into our warm-up questions and then the news afterwards. First one comes from Aaron Eden. What's up, Dukes? Last week, Maddie mentioned that this show gets the least right in, so I'm here to do my part. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, everyone else who did write in. Uh, As I said, we selected as many as we could in this episode. I bought an Xbox One early on, and while I still have it, I only used it for the disappointing launch of MCC and the lackluster Halo 5 before putting it away, never looking back. Lately, though, I've been thinking about pulling the old Xbox One out for some backwards compatibility that my PS5 just can't offer. But to my knowledge, there hasn't been any original games added to the program in a long time. Is Xbox quietly done trying to figure this out? For example, Sega's OG Xbox catalog like Jet Set Radio Future, Otogi, and Gun Valkyrie remain absent despite Sega's Xbox games being some of the most prolific exclusives on the console. With Xbox emulation on PC still coming along at a snail's pace, these games, along with some others, remain stranded. So what gives? Could it be that the behind-the-scenes data shows that these original Xbox games aren't being played enough by enough people Sorry, to be worth the effort? Or is there something I'm completely missing? Much love. I hope you guys are having a convenience store hot dog kind of day. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, I want to dish this to you. How do you feel about the current status of back compat? Just as I said, Cog and I recorded an episode on DDU about all of this, but how, where do you feel they're at right now with this program? I mean, they're, they've done a lot, obviously, and, and they, of course, have the numbers. The, the really, I would say, speaking honestly, the only optimism that I have left to cling to as far as getting more games added to the backwards compatibility list is the fact that Microsoft has made a top-down commitment to getting rid of generations and just having compatibility across everything in perpetuity. So uh, that gives me some hope that, that maybe they're not done yet, despite the you know obvious lack of recent additions there. But at the same point, you know, the compatibility team at Microsoft, they've, I'm sure they've got other projects and other priorities. I mean, we've been seeing the FPS boost stuff that you guys mentioned right. a minute ago. Is that, which, which way do you go? You know, you, you only have, you have a certain size team. How do you allocate those resources? And you have to look, well, do we, do we boost up the, the backwards compatible games that people are playing? Or do we add some new ones that maybe we don't know if people are going to want to dive back into necessarily. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a tricky problem to sit here from the peanut gallery and analyze Microsoft. Clearly they have way more data than, than we do. So I, I do hope that over time uh, it'll get better, but I do remember uh, I got to go up and I met the backwards compatibility team and did a big story on them back when original Xbox games were first being added to the service. Gosh, that was probably three years ago now, something like that. Right. And and one thing they told me was a lot of the, you know, if there's a game that you want that's not there, there there's probably a good reason. And a lot of times the reason is because the, those original contracts were either with publishers that don't exist anymore, mm-hmm. like Acclaim, and or it was a paper contract. Remember, this is like 2001, 2002, 2003. Mm. Uh, and, and, they somebody might not literally be able to find the contract anymore to try and you know bring it back and and get it get it wow. back to the right party so there are a lot of like bizarre things that you might not think about but are better very real issues when you're a 
billion dollar company that wants to do this like you can't just you can't just go rogue and do it like you have to make sure you're buttoned up legally and all this stuff so you're not liable you know you don't want somebody that claims to have the rights to i don't know some acclaim game even to come out of the woodwork and go hey microsoft you just added that like you owe me now like a million dollars so exactly. it's uh mm. there are there are reasons that you know microsoft's walk the walk right they've 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 shown that they are a gamer first that they care about the community that they do things with the gamer in mind so i give them the benefit of the doubt on this but as for whether or not i don't i wouldn't say they're done but I, i'm not sure if if their priorities are elsewhere right now, but if they are, it's probably for a good reason, and it's going to be something that we're all going to be super excited about when when that comes around. All right. Cog, what about you? Yeah, Ryan. Well said, Ryan. I completely agree. I'm very fortunate to uh, have the interview with, with the legendary Bill Stilwell from that back combat team, one of the OGs from it. And, uh, yeah, he said the same things, you know, because as gamers, we go, you know, why has it such and such come? This is a no-brainer. And, and, and mm -hmm. I get it. But the reality, like you said, the con contractual stuff, you know, also licensing, yeah. music. You know, there's some some things that came out at a specific time that contractually they just can't do. And then the, the third thing that I remember him saying was, you know, something to the effect that sometimes it's actually the publisher themselves. They may have an idea to bring out a remake or remaster. Right. And yeah. that yeah. may conflict with Microsoft's efforts to try to bring it, you know, do back for free because, <laughs> hey, money talks. <laughs> and they may want to charge us. So yes. it, there's a lot of factors to it. But to, to Ryan's point, you know, I think they've done a tremendous job so far. I think hopefully maybe 20th anniversary we get maybe we get one or two nostalgic. I'm hoping yeah. I'm being greedy. But, you know, I mean, at this point, you know, like you said, resources, other projects, the team is has to be agile. So I that, I think it may be where it is right now. But what do you think, Matty? I'm of the mindset that they've got one more batch in them. I don't know if they have much more afterwards. I think it's obvious that FPS Boost generates more discussion online. I think there's more of a likelihood that people are going to go in there and they're going to play these games. Uh, so especially when they're already in the game pass library or they're more frequently being purchased i just think it's probably more worthwhile for their efforts so i think that's where they're gonna head and i think that's exciting because you can do maybe back compat through fps boost bringing certain titles to a much higher frame rate and kind of celebrating them that way there are different ways to do it other than playability although that's the most preferred thing um it's just that you know i think we'll get one more batch and they'll quietly move on from it at that point so we'll see how they do it when they do it if they ever do it thank you for your write-in aaron let's move on to ja zoo with our second question hey dukes hope you're well what do you guys think about vgc reporting that microsoft is launching an independent study into right to repair in regards to xbox i found this interesting because until this was posted just as a side note i did not know this was a thing so let's read to quote the article microsoft has agreed to hire an independent consultant to study the benefits of giving consumers more access to parts and repair documentation. As long as these findings show that there are benefits to letting people repair their own products, Microsoft has agreed that it will make new parts and documentation available beyond its authorized repair network by the end of 2022 and will launch new initiatives to help with local repairs. Are you like me and think this is potentially a huge step in the right direction for the right to repair in gaming? I really have to give kudos to Microsoft, particularly in a market where everyone else does everything in their power against right to repair. Hopefully the study proves positive results. Thanks, and I hope you have a broken console cooling fan that you can't repair on your own type of day. 
God damn. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> the casual disrespect is on display oh, in this episode. They, I was, telling, I was sending Cog some screen caps. I was like, God damn. Some yeah, of y'all got to chill. But <laughs> once again, this is kind of new to me. I was doing some brief research on it, but I want to know what you guys think. Is this something you were familiar with prior to this uh, story breaking out about the right to repair? I, I am. I, I could jump in. Um, I actually, because I'm, I'm really deep in the insider program, and one of the ones that came to my attention was this kind of like this AR, this augmented reality kind of troubleshooting from a technical standpoint, I believe with the wireless headset. So they have already shown me that they're in that space of allowing some self-help, some self-troubleshooting uh, kind of thing. This information is kind of new to me with the uh, VGC stuff, but... Yeah, I mean, they, they, the vibe I'm getting is they're leaning into the space and they, they're wanting feedback from that. So it is interesting. You know, I'm I'm not opposed to it if, if people are, are to give people options. Right. If, if someone wants to do it, they feel comfortable, you know, to, to do something like that in the space by all means. But um, I have gotten that vibe that this is something that is on the docket that they're thinking about. But what about you, Ryan? What, what, have you heard anything or where are you with this? Well, yeah, this is kind of uh, I've I've been learning about this through the Tesla community, which is m one of my other mm. big passions. That's kind of, it's a, it's an argument going on there right now because currently, you know, Tesla's, you, you have to take them to Tesla to get them serviced when, when they do, which is typically not often because there are no real moving parts in them. But so yeah, it's, uh, that's a, it was a debate there. And, and in the console space, I mean, I, I certainly see why Microsoft would want to uh, investigate this thoroughly because a you can generate some customer goodwill and potentially some loyalty and b it looking at the bottom line it could be a thing that saves the money because if they don't have to bring the bring your defective console in and and pay their people to do it if they'll just if they're willing to sell you the part well then they've just saved money on on that repair and also probably generated that loyalty and goodwill so i suppose the the study is probably to see, well, are, you know, are people going to, is it a thing that people are going to be comfortable with and, and get through, be able to get through without being frustrated? Because, you know, these things are generally not meant to be opened up and oftentimes they have like custom screws. And I mean, I haven't looked at the, I haven't really looked closely at the Series X to be, to be fair about how easy it is or isn't to get into. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it makes a lot of sense for Microsoft to do their due diligence on this. That's for sure. Yeah. It's certainly not a situation like the Steam Deck where they said if you, you break it open, it can actually literally explode and kill you. So, <laughs> yeah, like I'm not even getting caught. Like, they actually, yeah, that. yeah, they were saying like, do not open it. Do not open it. They were, wow. they were very insistent on it. And Interesting. Uh, I want to say, I remember Xbox saying that you couldn't open the Series X originally, but then I, I want to say Spawn Wave like cracked it wide open and yeah. we got a good look at the inside of it. But, yeah, I, I like that they're taking this path because what I gathered when I was doing research is a main reason people were excited about this is because it can just sometimes be more expensive for the customer to send it in and get it repaired at times. So uh, now they have the right to repair or eventually they will, hopefully, and um, they can do it themselves for, I'd imagine, cheaper. Mm -hmm. Lucius Augustus is number three. Hello, Dukes. With Sony increasing the price of their games across the board at $70 and Nintendo pricing a 2D Metroid at $60 for the first time, the conversation around value and what makes a game worth it has come back. With games like Destruction All-Stars, Godfall, and Yoshi's Crafted World proving they aren't worth the asking price and platform holders refusing to price their games based on value, but rather setting a standard across the board, from a consumer standpoint, does it make a bigger argument for models like Game Pass? I hope you have an overcast kind of day. Thank you, Lucius. We appreciate that. 
Yeah, so this has been a big thing for a while this week is is Metroid is a 60-hour game. Apparently, it's like under 10 hours long, and there's been a big argument of quality, quantity, and comparing and contrasting all these games. We could obviously get into the particular values and opinions of everyone, but for Lucius's question on... Does this make an argument for models like Game Pass because the the prices and opinions of people fluctuate so much? Where do you guys stand on on that aspect? Let's get Ryan in. What, what, what are you I, feeling, Ryan? I'm not sure. This might be an apples to oranges kind of situation. I'm not sure that the these might be two different conversations. The the you know price versus Game Pass because Game Pass there are different objectives. There are different. I mean, we we're not even privy to the. We know there are various economic models within Game Pass for a developer, for a publisher. So I, I don't think I would look at it that way. I mean, I'm not disrespecting the person asking the question. I think it's a hmm. it's a fair question. But for me, I'll, I'll speak to the, the other side of it. I, I happily paid 60 bucks for Metroid Dread and six, a, a, a high quality 10 plus, you know, 10 ish hour game, which is what Dread is. That's well worth it to me. I am I am a. Uh, a 41-year-old dad with a full-time job, and and I don't say that that doesn't make me better or worse than anybody else. It just makes me oh, busy. And so for me, I am happy to pay 60 bucks or 70 bucks for a 10, 15-hour premium experience. I have that is excellent value to me. Whereas uh like I would do that sooner than I would spend zero dollars on a free-to-play thing that has me grinding for a hundred hours and that's not that's i'm not speaking ill of that model and games like that it's just for me and the the kind of gaming i'm looking for that is not of interest to me i i am not looking to be on a on a video game hamster wheel to try and get like and i totally get the the appeal of that like there is an awesome carrot at the end of the stick if i can you know i just need to put in the time to get there for me you know i i want to be you know rolling halo campaigns and hellblade 2 campaigns those are the kind of experiences that i'm looking for like dread is a great you know current example so you know mm -hmm. everybody's different man it's uh and i think there's a little bit of a generational thing even too i think the younger crowd tends yeah, to favor sure. like they they want they want the 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 just vastness of the game which Absolutely. I get like I had way more free time for video games in my 20s than I do now. And again, that's it's not a good thing, it's not a bad thing, it's just that's how my life has gone. So, that's kind of where I sit with it and and I guess what I would say is I I'm happy to see publishers and developers use the entire pricing scale from Game Pass to free to play to a $10 download to a you know, $30 State of Decay 2 back, you know, when it first came out before Game Pass came around to uh, to a $60 Metroid to a $70 Ratchet and Clank. Like I'm, you know, I'm all if the game's good for if the game's great. At, it'll be worth whatever it's asking price is. That's I know it's kind of like a vague like I don't necessarily no. think I took a stand in that answer and people are going to no, maybe I think you, <laughs> call I me think out. But I, I don't know. I, that's just I'm just open minded to all of it, really. I'm I'm in the same boat, and I think the 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 point that you said you didn't really take a stance, but I think that the major point was really I think there's a generational gap where 
you know, as all of us get older, you know, even I found myself as a, as a younger guy, like in my early 20s, I was always looking for that next big open world game, that 80 hour RPG. And I still love those games. And I still play those games. But I definitely when I was looking at PlayStation and looking at my hour counts for games I played, I'm a big like 20, 30 hour max guy right now. Like it's that's sort of my sweet spot. And I, I just beat a lot of different games. Sometimes I double dip all that stuff. And I think, yeah, as you get older, you know, with more responsibilities being put on your plate, you find yourself favoring those experiences. And so some people will fight back against that because I think when they see a 10, they equate it with endless replayability. You can constantly go back to the game. And that's just not always the case. It's it's always a dictation of the the quality of an experience, really. But yeah, I think you're, you're spot on with that. I, I think that there is a, a disagreement because, you know, with most of the journalists being middle-aged people, you know, it's, uh, of course, they're going to probably seemingly favor these, uh, we'll say, more compact experiences. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's, I always go back to the same talking point. It's probably to the point where people are sick of it, but it's why I tell people, get to know your reviewers, know what they like, know, not their full lives, but know the type of lifestyle they have, right? Like for me, I make time for games every single day. I love gaming. So, you know, I, I am playing some of those longer games because I am chipping away at them constantly, but not everyone's doing that. So you got to know what your reviewers are doing to, to, I think, accurately assess their determination of value. But, but Cog, yeah. what about you? Well, let, you me, let me just, this? I'm going to add one oh, more sorry, thing to this. Sorry, Maddie. Yeah, like, please. No, please. You give ahead. a good example, like, um, where you mentioned, you, you know, we used to play like bigger games. Like, for me, uh, Oblivion, I was 25 mm. when Oblivion came out. Wow. I put 180. 80 hours into that game, love the hell out of it. It's still one of my favorite games of the 360 era, if not ever. Skyrim, I put about half of that. I put about 80 yeah. hours into that game, all told. Fallout 4, I was about uh, down to like 25 hours okay. I put into Fallout 4. That was more... I, I didn't like Fallout 4 as much, which was... Okay, that sure. There was more of a kind of a quality situation there, but... So yeah, I, that's that's maybe an illustration of as I've gotten older, you know, from yeah. twenty five to thirty to you know thirty five, I guess whatever it would have been at that point, and, mm -hmm. and yeah, so I, I've given two tens to your point at, at my my nine years at IGN, I've only given two tens. The Ooh. first one was to Inside, which is three hours long. Yes, and I would that one I'll take to the grave. That is a ten in perpetuity. I will never regret that score. Ooh, I will never. That. That will that game will always be a ten to me. It is Say a brilliant masterpiece. <laughs> but I get that some people might look at that and go, "It's only three hours long." I mean, it was a twenty dollar game. I don't know if they're still charging twenty for it now. But uh, and then the other ten I gave was Super Mario Odyssey, which is again still not a you know not a massive game. I mean, it's probably what twenty hours maybe for Odyssey, mm -hmm. 15, 20 hours. So yeah, it's a the, there, there's a. You could do an entire episode, I'm sure, on if you haven't already, on this kind of the looking, the looking at that, that that uh, game length and the generational difference. Because for me, not to send the show off the rails, but I actually think it. there's a, I start, I'm starting to see, especially my own daughter who's ten. Like, I think the the expectation of young gamers is being set very differently than it was when we were kids like Cog and I with Nintendo, mm -hmm. where, you know, now I feel like a lot of these, the first games that kids play are, are mobile games in a lot of cases. Yeah. I would argue that most mobile games, and I'm saying most, not, not a total blanket statement, but a, 
right. maybe, you know, <laughs> kind of half pulled the blanket up halfway is uh, they're not designed to be creative expressions of art. They are designed mm. to keep you there playing. They're designed to kill time and get money out of you. Um, and I, I'm, I find my, I'm turning into like hipster old man where that disgusts me as someone who works in games for a living. Again, not saying it's all that way. There's, you know, I think Apple's right. done a great job with Apple Arcade, even though nobody really, and nobody in the core gaming circle really talks about Apple Arcade, but there's a lot of great stuff there. But generally speaking, like, like my daughter's way into Roblox and the little games right. within that. And those are just, mm. I, I, those I, I would I keep hand I just hand her the switch and be like play something on this play something here and but, but the thing is as those gamers grow up I think they're they've had them they've had their expectations calibrated in such a way where they've that's what they're looking for is oh I want my games are supposed to just keep me on that hamster wheel and keep me grinding and keep me sort of reaching for that next carrot on the stick and then if i can get it well then there's another bigger carrot if i right, just go right, keep going right. another 10 hours and yeah. that that worries me for the future of the of the triple a game specifically right. of the blockbuster big budget game as these as these younger generate and again this is me this is an old man yelling at a cloud right now i completely I recognize it. and understand that now the nice part is the game industry is big enough now where there will always be a space for me, the old man yelling at the cloud, there will always be the the three hour, mm -hmm. you know, insides and the and the ten hour Metroid dreads. It's it's not they're not mutually exclusive. There there can be both, but but yeah, there is. I think there is. I think the generational thing that you started to, to hit on there. I, I think nobody really talks about it, but I think it's really a a thing we're starting to see influence the entire core game industry as the, as the kids kind of grow up out of mobile games and into the console and PC space. Yeah. Definitely. Well Fan said. Yeah, well said. I mean, fantastic points, both of you. Uh, I think that, you know, beauties in the eye of the beholder to me, you know, it, value is is subjective in my opinion. It, and it's just, it's so interesting to see like these debates go on online with this stuff. And, you know, to, to Lucia's question, as far as that versus Game Pass, you know, I think that's the beauty of Game Pass is that you have these options. You have all these different t styles of games that kind of fall into these different pockets. Like, you know, Ryan said about the, you know, game like a game like an insight, even though it's not a Game Pass, but those shorter experiences. Whereas, you know, you have may have those grindy, big RPG, hundred hour, boombastic kind of a thing. And that's the beauty of it. I mean, as far as like with the pricing, if that's going to, you know, dictate and lean anyone towards that. I don't know. I don't know. It's something we still have to monitor, but I do hear you, you guys points on the generational aspect that that is something to, to really, you know, take monitor to. And, um, you know, for me, it's just, I'm still of the mindset. If I see it, it looks good. I'm going to pay for it, whether or not it's in game pass or not, you know, that's just where I am. But I will say on the, on the flip side, there are times where I go, you know what? That looks cool, but I don't know if I'm willing to commit at said price and I might wait the game. <laughs> so that, that's where I'm at. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's honestly, uh, as, as Ryan said a couple of minutes ago, I think you could make like a whole episode on, yeah, on that's this a, topic that's a because topic. Yeah. There's, there's so much nuance to it, yeah. but we will move on to number yes. four now. Blaine Lamberson writes in, hey, Dukes, first and foremost, I know COG gets a lot of love from the fans and deservedly so. However, I got to spread some love to our Duke, Maddie. You mm. handled the transition from one co-host to another and didn't skip a beat. This speaks dividends to your professionalism, work ethic, 
and passion you put into this podcast. Thank you, Blaine. I, I really appreciate that. Now, enough of the brown nosing. Here's the question. Maddie, this is a throwback to a few weeks back when you were getting called out for wanting to play Back for Blood on Game Pass. And you were getting accused of not supporting devs on Twitter. <laughs> now, with current theories and speculation that Sony and Netflix could be working on some subscription model, and if this does happen, are these in quotes, fanboys, end quote, going to swallow their words and enjoy the, quote, value, end quote, of a subscription-based model? Or are they going to die on that hill and support the devs? Personally, there's room for both services. Just like I pay for Netflix, Disney Plus, and Hulu, I'll gladly pay for Game Pass in a PS5 type of subscription model. Thoughts? Thanks for the podcast, and I hope you find an extra fry at the bottom of the, bottom of the bag type of day. All right. yeah, how are you not supporting developers Talk to them. By, Talk to them, by Talk playing to them. the game on the Game Pass service? That's Educate that, that makes them. no sense. That Talk makes less than zero sense. That is one of yeah. that is ridiculous. That sounds like it was oh, written by I don't know, the, by a very bitter Sony fanboy, I guess. I don't or I don't know, like it, there again, there are a million different ways that that Game Pass can be set up. We're not privy to the details of most of them. But let's say there's a very I think this what the scenario I'm about to lay out is very possible, okay? Let's say there are financial bonuses tied to a certain number of people, milestone player counts on Game Pass. Let's say for uh, if, if you get to 100,000 players on Game Pass for Back for Blood, there is a, let's say there's a, there's a $3 million payment that goes from Microsoft to, to Turtle Rock and WB. Let's say if they get to a million players, there's, you know, there's a 20 million, you know, there's, hmm. you are playing the game in the way, like, do you, do you think Microsoft held a gun to Turtle Rock and WB's head and said, put it on Game Pass or else? Sign the contract. No, they, no. they enter into the agreement voluntarily because they, there is either, you know, they've, the deal is structured in a way that they're either getting paid in, for, in various ways and or they're getting, a larger player count so that they can then monetize cosmetic skins or whatever. The developer is being supported. This is an asinine mm -hmm. argument. Mm -hmm. Talk to him. Talk yeah, to him. it has been, uh, it hasn't been since that tweet, but it was a battle that day for damn sure. <laughs> Bro. But ever since then, everyone's of the mindset. All is these like, armchair yeah, Phil that's... Spencer's out here. I think they know yeah. what's up. I know. I know. Twitter. I know. But with that, there is rumors because uh, we'll talk about this in the news a little bit more, but we can definitely hop into it a little bit now uh, yeah. of PlayStation wanting to reach millions of gamers. And a, a major way to do that is we're seeing Xbox. They said years ago with I think it was the introduction uh, introduction, sorry, of xCloud was that they wanted to reach more and more gamers. And, and they, they started off their E3 conferences of how many millions or billions of people are playing video games, including mobile gamers. And so you're seeing PlayStation start to take a page from that playbook and go like, well, we want to reach that many people. And Xbox is well on their way. I think they'll eventually get there. But now we're seeing Netflix, for example, buy up Night School Studio. I would be shocked if Netflix didn't do their own gaming service or roll it into Netflix as a whole. Uh, we're starting to see probably more gaming subscription models pop up. And do you think that the people who have been detracting Game Pass are going to... <laughs> sign up and uh and get the games for the value or are they going to support the devs ryan <laughs> yeah. are they going to support the devs yeah. they're going to 
shell out the 60 bucks to 70 bucks <laughs> yeah, it, it's ridiculous and, and uh, thank thank you right like this is something i've been screaming at the top of my lungs support the devs man i'm buying the game physical so listen i get it the, the reason i buy I, physical hold on hold listen on. i'm, about to, give, I'm about to give you your props <laughs> hold on the only reasons in my opinion where a person comes to me and say hey look you know, I'm not going to get it on Game Pass and I totally have no problem is mm. one, if you're a physical collector, like my boy Maddie, right? And you're like, yo, you Hell want yeah. your collector's edition, you want the pomp and circumstance, you want that that thing, right? And it, it, to, to celebrate that game, totally understandable. Or shout out to my boy Colin, where it's like, okay, you're embedded in the PlayStation ecosystem, right? So you're accustomed to the trophies. And let's say I use Yakuza like an example, the new Yakuza Like a Dragon, you've played every Yakuza prior on PlayStation, right? Yakuza Like a Dragon comes out as in Game Pass, that's cool, but it's like, okay, I wanna keep that trophy and stay in that ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And I get that. But all this nonsense about supporting the dev, stop. That is fanboyism. That that right there is not, if you truly care about the studio and you truly care about what's going on, like Ryan eloquently said, and I've had devs that have Game Pass deals on ILP have said, each each one is different, but for the most part, a lot of these guys have to get their money up front or they have an arrangement yeah. where they are being compensated. They are getting taken care of. That is actually beneficial to the dev. You want them to be around. Now to this question, like you were saying, Maddie, with the whole... um. PS5 thing and possible, obviously, Jim Ryan's comments, which we might get into later. You know, there there is a chance that right now he is not happy with the current console model. He feels there is a ceiling. So in order to satiate and get hundreds of millions, you may have to open up the borders beside, outside of just, you know, the console ecosystem. And that, if it's a subscription model, I know they have something with uh, Crunchyroll or something like that. Right. There are different ways they could go about it. So, you know, all I would say is, you know, be cognizant, people who are so anti-subscription model and anti-Game Pass, because if it happens on your platform, are you not going to support the devs? You know, so are you not going to pick up these games because of that? It's just very interesting. I just think fanboys kind of box themselves in. It'll sometimes. be a... Uh... It'll be a very interesting day when yes. PlayStation does their inevitable Game Pass competitor and the, the script is flipped. It, it'll be not only because I'm excited to see Xbox get some competition in that space, right. but it is going to be really a joy, a treat <laughs> to read Twitter that day and be like, oh, oh, you like it. Oh, you like oh. it now. The oh, devs are getting paid now. <laughs> oh, this is good. It's good to you. Okay. Okay. You, you know so, what's, what's really not supporting the devs is pirating Metroid Dread. Don't fucking yeah. do that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely. that's what's not supporting devs. Game Pass yeah. is Preach. is fine. Don't worry about Preach. it. Preach, brother. Absolutely. Preach. And the other thing is, even if we knew nothing about the money deals that go on, right? We have like an inkling of that. Why would everyone flock to this service? Like, everyone's getting involved if they're losing. Like, clearly, <laughs> there's a gain here. Otherwise, everyone wouldn't be getting involved. It's just no. people not being gamers. At the end of the day, I even said this scenario. Let's just say it's the worst case scenario for Microsoft. And Microsoft goes out of business as a result of this. <laughs> as, as, as a gamer, shouldn't you care that it benefits you first and the developer mm -hmm. up front? Those two factors got taken care of and compensated. It's just so funny. This, the, the concern trolling. Is, we, know what, we know what's going on. We know yeah. Absolutely. All right. Number five. We'll get into the news right after this. Hello, fellas. Oh, sorry, this comes from Dylan. I should have said your name first. With previews coming out about Forza Horizon 5 and the feedback, unsurprisingly, is very positive. My question is, 
Where the hell are the TV promo ads? One of my major complaints about Xbox right now is that they never do enough to promote their first-party games on the large scale. To me, having a beautiful Forza trailer during a primetime NFL or MLB game seems obvious. Maybe this is a me thing. By the way, I'm seeing Back for Blood trailers promoting it being day one on Game Pass, which is great. But what about your own games? Thanks. And have an A1 kind of day. Yeah, especially with MLB playoffs ongoing right now. Football is back. This is a good time to strike with a little TV trailer. Although, outside of sports, I don't watch much TV. So maybe there is a, a trailer floating around there. But what, what do you guys think about uh, the promotion levels of even something like Forza? Because, for example, I don't remember how much promotion Forza Horizon 4 got. But it's like one of the most played games on Game Pass with 20 plus million players. And it's super profitable for them. So do they care that much? Is it money saved when they're not doing these TV ads? Where do you guys stand on this? The front of you, Ryan. What'd you think? Uh, well, I first uh, was it Dylan? Is that who wrote in on that? Dylan. Uh, yeah. Completely agree with Dylan. I think that is, uh, I mean, I, you know, I'm not pretending that I know better than Aaron Greenberg and the marketing team at Microsoft. Mm -hmm. It's not my field, but I do agree. Like it's, it's, it, there's, there's something about, you know, there's like a, a pride in the product to an, to an extent when you're, uh, and I'm not saying they don't have that, but I, I, I just agree with Dylan. I think it's great to see these, you know, the games being promoted in in sort of outside of normal gaming circles in big places like you know playoff sporting events or what have you and so I'm I'm totally with Dylan. Uh, for me, I just think it's it's too early for Forza Horizon Four. The game's not out. We got we got like three weeks. So so mm -hmm. you know three usually unless it's a major tentpole like Halo Two kind of situation. I think I think we're likely to see if those ads are coming on. You know, NFL Sundays, college football Saturdays, MLB playoffs, probably closer to November uh, when when the game's actually coming out. Because, you know, yeah. you don't want to put for the for the sort of general game buying audience, not the core people listening to Defining Duke. You want to advertise when you can actually sell that person a product when when you True. when you're ready to go and they see that Forza Horizon commercial and we're like, whoa, that's the most beautiful car game I've ever seen in my life. I totally want to play that on my Xbox that I have over there. How do I buy that? Oh, it's not out yet? Okay, and then they never buy it because... And then, then they forget. You know. yeah. yeah. So, Completely. yeah, I think uh, give it a little time, and hopefully we'll see it here in the next few weeks. Yeah, completely agree. You want to add, Yeah, man, I completely agree. I think Dylan's on the money with that as well. You know, just the uh, perception. I feel like the perception it feels like sometimes with the bigger first-party games... I feel like they should do a little bit more again. Like Ryan said, I'm not in marketing. I don't know if, you know, from the, the cost effectiveness and how they look at their metrics, you know, as far as what actually is effective with social mm. media or versus the big spots. But, you know, personally, I would like to see, you know, them take advantage of the bigger TV spots and stuff like that when it comes to the big first party game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I actually like this question a lot. I, I think they can do better there. I remember Sony very competitively in the space. I mean, I'm from New York City. I remember a whole Spider-Man train when that was oh, announced. Yeah, like the yeah. whole train was, yeah. I was just like, wow, that is that. some, you know, big first party, you know, first party marketing and, and visibility. So I would love to see, you know, Microsoft really embrace in that space. But what about you, uh, Manny? Yeah, I, I am more so, I didn't really think of Forza much as Halo. I feel like Halo is the one that I'm expecting to see all over my TV when the time comes. Forza less so. I don't know why. Maybe that's just my uh, my bias, my apparent hatred of, of Forza. But, uh, <laughs> Forza hater! Yeah, but you know, I, I just, um, I never really considered it deeply, but it is something that I think is an omission. And the reason I mentioned that is because 
during some of these references here, like NFL, MLB, I did see PlayStation commercials of just yes. their their catalog. And that's sort of what I expect from Xbox this holiday. It's like you have games coming out this holiday. Huge. Do a sort of compilation of like, here's things in Game Pass. Here's our first party lineup, that type of thing. Like a quick 30 second little blip uh, to promote just what is happening with Xbox in the holiday period and try to get more people to want your console. I, I agree with Ryan that you got to get beyond the gaming circles that are already, I think, buying into you and your future. No doubt. No doubt. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With that, thank you for your write-ins. We have many more to go over, but let's get into the news. Number one, Xbox currently owns every Western RPG developer worth caring about, and arguably the most significant studio in that stable is Obsidian Entertainment. Best known for their work on Fallout New Vegas, South Park Stick of Truth, Pillars of Eternity, The Outer Worlds, plus the unexpected success of Grounded leaves good reason for fans to be excited about what Avowed presents. With that, a gigantic leak is spilled onto the internet, providing a plethora of new details. This report comes from Dad of Xbox, Jez Corden of Windows Central Gaming. Jez reports that he's seen a pre-alpha build of the game and that the results are encouraging. The game's combat will be recognizable to fans of Skyrim as it borrows the two-handed system that is set in a first-person point of view. You can explore multiple class playstyles like a bow for archery, dual daggers for stealth, a spell in one hand and a sword in the other, or equipping a spell to each hand and using them both at the same time for a souped-up version of said spell. The write-up mentions spells familiar to players of Pillars of Eternity, such as Jolting Touch, imbuing your weapons with the elements, Fetid Caress, and Fireball, the latter of which can interact with environments by scorching away obstacles in the doorways. Physical combat follows the path of mapping specific abilities to the face buttons of the controller to be able to do things like a shield bash or a powerful kick. As for the world itself, the report states that it's much more colorful than the drab and war-torn environments revealed in the trailer from July 2020. It mentioned luminescent cave mushrooms, verdant forests awash with gigantic flora, and hulking sunlit temples complete with skeleton-infested depths and tombs that are plentiful. Despite a job listing suggesting Obsidian is working on a cohesive open world, Jez writes that he expects a vow to be hub-based akin to what we've seen from Obsidian recently in the Outer Worlds or something more distant like KOTOR 2. To cap off a stellar preview, he mentioned that there is the possibility a Vowed shows up before E3 2022, mentioning the tantalizing thought of Hellblade 2 and a Vowed showing up together at the Game Awards. So this was uh, this was Ooh. our number one for sure this week. Jez came in with the major gameplay details. I'm, of course, very excited for a Vowed. I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I want to dish it to Ryan first. Ryan, what do you think about some of the gameplay details that have spilled onto the web? Well, tip of the cap to Jez first up on this one. Good stuff on this. Yeah, I did. I believe I read his report too. Didn't it say that it's still deep in pre-production? Yes. So I, 
It should be exiting. It's yeah, I, w- like I am that. not as optimistic on the timeline. I mean, it's not to say we won't get a, I think he's referring to a trailer there for E3 next year. That wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, I, it still sounds like the game is pretty far away because even if it's not fully open world, if you're only in pre-production and you're a triple A, I mean, it's, you're still working from home and you, this game's probably, I mean, depending on when it comes out of pre-production, I think holiday 2023 might be the most optimistic you could possibly get. And that's okay. You know, there are, there are plenty of Microsoft studios, take your time. Cause this absolutely sounds like it could be the Elder Scrolls Six, while we wait for Elder Scrolls Six, which is <laughs> yes. so far, yes. I mean, we might not exactly even see that. Elder Scrolls Six on the Series X. Like that's how far away it is, given that that Starfield is is that is Todd Howard's team's project, and that's not scheduled to wrap up until next holiday, another year from a little over a year from now. So yeah, yeah Avowed definitely seems like it's good. It could very well scratch that Elder Scrolls itch in the best of ways. And I have, I mean, again, remember what the thing about obsidian, this is a team who, while they have made a lot of excellent games over the years, they've really, they've always kind of been shafted by their publisher in some way, whether it's being uh, short, given the short shrift on time, budget, both. I mean, you look at alpha protocol, a game that, uh, Mm. uh, was, uh, had a lot of potential, but just couldn't get there. You look at, uh, I mean, South Park, the stick of truth did turn out amazing, but that, even that changed hands big time. Like that went from THQ to Ubisoft. There's a lot of, you know, disturbance in there. Uh, you look at, I mean, pillars of eternity itself was excellent, but crowdfunded. It did not have the full resources of, of a Microsoft or a major publisher, you look at, um, of course, famously Fallout New Vegas uh, yep. being rushed out and just missing its Metacritic bonus, which I hope no publisher ever does a bonus tied to Metacritic ever again because the developers should not be paid or not based on what Ooh. idiots like me have to say about the game. That is Preach. a patently ridiculous scenario. And I'm leaving one out. It's um, There was one other major one that, that they uh, fell worlds? prey to. Now, Outer Worlds mm-hmm. seemed pretty clean. No, there was, yeah. uh, gosh, uh, what it's it's right on the, the tip of my tongue. KOTOR but anyway, 2, maybe? I don't know. What's that? that KOTOR 2, Thank maybe? Thank you, that yes, was, that was yeah. it. KOTOR 2 famously said, oh, you guys got a ship for the holiday, and there was no ending to that game, and modders added in the ending yep. that was supposed to be there yep. later. So, yep. yeah, my very long-winded point here being that Avowed is uh, going to be really the first time they've had a chance to make a full-blown AAA go-for-broke experience in the role-playing genre with the full backing of Microsoft's resources. They're, they're going to have probably about as much time as they need. They're going to have a ton of money, a ton. Of, so there's a lot of reason to be very, very optimistic about Avowed. Just be patient. That's the thing. I think yes. it's, I think Agreed. just based on Jez's report, my interpretation of it is, Maybe holiday 2024. I think that game's probably still three years wow. away. But yeah, I, again, yeah. I don't know anything. But my, again, that's my interpretation based on uh, what he wrote about where the game's at. But it, it sounds like it could be phenomenal. Cog, what about you? What, what did you think of Jez's write up here? So excited. So excited. <laughs> um, like, Ryan might appreciate this. Like, when I look at Xbox Game Studios and I looked at all the new acquisitions and it was like 2018, they started to really commit. And 
from a sports standpoint, it's like you got all these draft picks, right? And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, who's... And shout out to the late Dizzy. He's the founder of LordsOfGaming.net. We used to play this game. Okay, so who... He would say, yo, cock, I got Ninja Theory. That's going to be the one, right? Mm-hmm. And I always said Obsidian, man. I always... They were the ones for me. And even we would have our battles because I even wasn't a grounded guy. And when, I, when it was announced, I was like, ah, what are they doing? I was mm-hmm. like, and then it turns out to be really fun and, 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 you know, yeah, people yeah. really gravitate towards it. So, you know, I remember seeing Avowed and I'm just like, okay, this mm-hmm. is their take. This is mm-hmm. the Skyrim they want to do. And Ryan said it beautifully. I always felt like prior to the acquisition, they always kind of got shafted in there some way. And shout out to Fergus and the team. Those guys are great. I mean, we were able to have the Outer Worlds team on ILP, the narrative. Like, narrative, I'm not even worried. Not even concerned. But, you know, pillar of eternity universe. Zero not concern. even concerned. Like this is gonna hit. Especially what the Outer is, Worlds DLC, not to interrupt you, but oh yeah. fantastic. So, Murder and Iridonos, amazing. Oh. Please play that. Please yeah. play that. Absolutely Agreed. hilarious. Agreed. The thing about them though, what I like what I'm hearing is, you know, the the spell crafting and the way like you can mm-hmm. form and do these complex, you know, motions with the hands and stuff like that. Uh, the different play styles. And the other thing, I actually like he's seeing different color palettes and co- like mm-hmm. one thing about people who like out of world, it's a very vibrant game. It's, it's, it's very colorful. It's very, you know, very pleasure, pleasure on the eyes. So I like to hear those different type of locales. Obviously you're going to have your deep, your dungeons and all that stuff, but this has me excited. And if it's hub world, Hey, you know, me, Ryan, I think, and, and me, Maddie, we all team hub world here. Mm-hmm. Like I don't necessarily mm-hmm. need it to have to be, you know, this open world, 100 hour kind of thing, if they want to do a more condensed story in these tight knit spaces, I'm for it. So all of this excites me. Yes, it may be a few, a a while away, but let them take their time. Put it this way, Obsidian with a budget, Super oh, yeah. exciting for me, so I'm I'm all about this, man. <laughs> um, that, that's my number one draft pick, the city, man. I'm, I'm with you, good. man. Yeah, out of everyone they got, like, yeah, even including Bethesda Game Studios, like, I just I, Obsidian's it, man. Like, they're the ones yeah. that I'm like, this could be in a way, in a manner right. of speaking, their Insomniac. Like, when you're seeing what they did with Grounded, how uh, we're seeing the polish level with the Outer Worlds, I think you're just going to see a lot of flexibility because now we know they're working on a number of different projects underneath Microsoft. Some of them small, some of them big. So I think we're they're, they're going to surprise some people in, in the coming years. And I think Avowed is going to sort of be their stamp on the yeah. world. And so reading this preview, I was really excited. I was kind of fascinated, though, when Jez mentioned he's really not sure it's going to be open world because I usually when I hear open world in RPG, to me, it's like the kiss of death to real choice and consequence in the story. It just right, right. it's so rare nowadays. And I'm hoping that I love hub worlds and I would prefer hub worlds because I trust them more there. But we are talking about a studio where even though there's been a lot of turnover and talent, we're talking about the studio that I think did a masterful job in the terms of open world choice and consequence with Fallout New Vegas, which, you know, still, I think, is a template that has yet to be shown up. Um, Mm -hmm. You look at something like Cyberpunk or Fallout 4 tried to imitate it, but really Cyberpunk modeled its open world template more after GTA than Fallout New Vegas, where it I mean, I think people need to go back to the drawing board when they're making these open world RPGs and, and take a look at new Vegas. So what better than the studio itself who, who brought us that game to bring us another open world RPG that I think they could handle it. Uh, so they're the team I trust uh, to do something like that. So either way they go, I'm just going to be like, all right, cool. Give me what you've got. What I found was really encouraging with the write up was his real emphasis on builds that he can already see that. Now he was, he was talking about how they play differently because look, I'm a big elder Scrolls fan, but 
if there's one thing that holds that series back, it's its combat. It's not feel that great. It's really about the exploration, the stories, whether it be environmentally or or told to you through characters. There's something special about Elder Scrolls, but its combat is not that. Not feeling, and, not feeling the butter knife. You're not no, feeling that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's stuff that's cool like spellcrafting in Oblivion. There, there's awesome ways to play the game, but as technology has progressed, people expect a little bit more. So hearing like, yeah, you can have a powerful kick mapped to a face button. You can do a shield bash, uh, bash with another button. To me, that is, yes, like that's what we need for this type of game is, is to bring the combat up just one more level. It doesn't need okay. to be, I'd say like God of War-esque, but it needs to be better. Yes. And so plus the environmental interactivity with spells, I'm hoping it's not just a fireball, but you could use like that jolting touch to interact with something mechanical. I think there's a lot of potential there, especially with this is going to be deeper into the the now current gen, but really next generation of consoles where there's some real potential here for them to surprise us in ways that we didn't originally expect. Agreed. So yeah, really, really excited for Avowed. Time will tell whenever we see it. Uh, just one thing I wanted to touch on before we move on to our next news bit. Obviously, we know this is early in development. Do we think, though, that a trailer at the Game Awards is possible? Do we Do we think it's likely? Ryan, I want, I want your two cents on that because you seemed a little... Yeah, like you I were mean, saying holiday 2024. It's so. certainly possible. Um, I'm not sure if the game is as far out as I think it is. I'm not sure why you'd put a trailer out in December of 2021. I don't know really what benefit that would be for Microsoft. So uh, now Hellblade 2, on the other hand, I know that's the other one being talked about for the Game Awards. That makes more sense because that one, they have not... We haven't heard or there's been nothing on that since its initial reveal at the Game Awards two years ago. So that one would make more sense. Like, okay, you want to maybe debut the game, the first gameplay trailer, something like that. But um, yeah, I I would be less optimistic about seeing Avowed in any form at the Game Awards. I'd be happy to be wrong about that, but I think Hellblade's Mm. probably more likely. What about you, Kark? Yeah, I'm leaning the same way. I I, I think that to me, the the cycle generally is like first announced CGI trailer, then you kind of don't see it for a while, yeah, see you later. and then you know <laughs> three or four, you know, and the teaser, the, the vertical slice, and then you don't see it. And then from there, you get the gameplay. So I still think, and now based on judge reports, I, I'm totally in agreement with Ryan. I think it's still a while. I know, I know, Maddie might be holding on oh, for dude, hope. I, dude, I know, I'm on I this know. island, I, don't worry. You're on this I, island alone. I haven't but moved I off my it. island. I haven't moved off my island. I think respect. it's happening. I think it's happening. Yeah. Okay, okay. I think they're going for. See, here's the thing. Okay. It's two things that, 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 that I'm down. hanging on to. Number one, Xbox Wire, right? This isn't even scoops or mm-hmm. press related. Xbox Wire, they reveal the Outer Worlds 2. They have a post there from E3, and they're like, yeah, we're still working on a vow, and we'll have more to sh- show with you soon. That was in June. Right. I don't know. To me, soon doesn't say we'll see you E3 2022. To me, that says we'll see you sometime this year. So I'm of the mindset that that was intentionally planted there for folks like myself who are like, oh, okay. All right, we'll see you then. But the other thing is the history of the Game Awards. I think there's something there where the Outer Worlds was revealed at the Game Awards. Um, And Mm -hmm. so I'm wondering if Obsidian makes a return there. Xbox loves the Game Awards. Clearly, they've revealed their own console there. So I just feel like if they can make use of Jeff's stage as much as possible with all the eyes that are on it, I think they might do a little trailer. I think what they're going to do is kind of the God of War treatment. That's why I'm saying this. I agree with Ryan. I think it's a little bit further out. Um, but I think they're going to give us like that kind of placeholder date where you see it and go like, nah, there's no way it's hitting that. But you at least have an idea of what the <laughs> game is. And I think they're going to do that with a vow just to get people to see like, 
yeah, we got our own Skyrim coming. It's on the All way. Right. So, holding out hope, respectfully. I'm holding out hope, and I will parade around this show if I'm correct. If I'm yes. wrong, I'll give you your roses. I, I'll, I'll give you your roses. Sit back brother. and act like it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, as all internet predictions go. <laughs> All right, number two, we talked about this briefly in our questions. Let's dive deep into it. Last week, PlayStation President Jim Ryan took on an interview with GamesIndustry.biz. It was the discussion of many things, but perhaps the most interesting was Jim's comments on his desire to have PlayStation games reach many more players. How many? Well, we'll let Jim speak for himself. Quote, I would like to see a world where the games that we make at PlayStation can be enjoyed by many tens of millions of people perhaps hundreds of millions of people. Right now, success with the current console model, a really great PlayStation hit, you're talking 10 or 20 million people being able to play that game. We're talking about games stacking against music. We're talking about games stacking against movies. Music and movies, they can be enjoyed by an almost limitless audience. And I think some of the art that our studios are making is some of the finest entertainment that has been made anywhere in the world. And to kind of gate the audience for that wonderful art, wonderful entertainment that our studios are making to gate the audience for that at 20 or 30 million frustrates me. I would love to see a world where hundreds of millions of people can enjoy those games. End quote. We got a write in from Michael Buffel. Hey Dukes, both PlayStation and Xbox have stated goals of reaching hundreds of millions of gamers with the recent rules and limitations. China is imposing on games that will be allowed to be played there. Is that realistic? Is that a realistic goal without that market? Do you think the direction could be given by either Sony or Microsoft to their studios about the content in their games so they could reach that market? Thanks for the great day and have a stepped in dog crap kind of day, Michael. My goodness. So yeah, Jim Ryan's got some lofty aspirations for his games. We know Microsoft shares that. We could talk about the China Avenue in a second. I just want to include that question in the entire write-up there. What do we feel about Jim ever so slightly taking what I think is like the Xbox path of things. Like they want to reach more. Like they're getting to that point where they want to go beyond what I think is just the console space. We saw them messing around with phones and whatnot. I remember uh, Secret Symbols like covered a, 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 a PlayStation phone game of some kind. I didn't listen to that episode, so I don't know the intimate details of it, but I did see they talked about it. So what do you guys make of, of PlayStation's uh, aspirations here? What you think, Ryan? PC. They've been testing the yeah. waters for a little while, and it's, it's obvious. I mean, the, you know, it's, that's, that's the way to do it. I mean, we, we saw, uh, was a, I think it was last week, there was a report. Capcom straight up came out and said, Hey, we're we're gonna lead on PC with everything now because that market's huge. Both it's growing a lot, both in Japan and and globally. So you know, a major Japanese publisher, Sony's home turf, says we're gonna lead with PC. So yeah, that's Microsoft's you know well on their way already. Uh, you know, you remember years back, Microsoft kept they were the boy who cried wolf about PC for a long time. They're like. We're serious about PC, you guys, really. And then they never did a damn thing about it. But eventually they finally did get serious about it. And now they PC is very much part of the Xbox ecosystem, uh, much to the chagrin of a lot of Sony fanboys who like to claim, well, why do you even need an Xbox? Well, to your point earlier, Maddie, when when Sony starts shipping every first party Sony game day and date on PC within the next few years, oh, no. that, that whole argument will go out the window again. Well, what do you need a PlayStation for? Um, it doesn't matter. All of that is ridiculous. If you want to just buy a high-end PC, great, do that. And sounds like you'll probably have PlayStation 5 games that you can play on there uh, before mm -hmm. too long as in addition to, to Xbox games. So yeah, I, it, the PC, I don't know about cloud. I mean, that's, that's a bit of a different, I mean, Microsoft still hasn't even 
solve that. They're, you know, they're, they're working on it, but PC is just the next obvious step. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know if PlayStation's going to, because I don't know if Jim and we'll, we'll never know probably if he's talking like over time hitting that goal or hitting it within a specific period. The reason that's important is because I find it hard to imagine that PlayStation is going to relinquish the free money that they make by double dipping, right? By saying like, here's your ghost of Tsushima. And then like one year later, a year and a half later, however long it'll be saying like, here's your PC version now with all the DLC we dropped. Like I feel they stand to make so much money off of that, that I can't imagine them letting go of that. So I think they'll embrace PC, but I don't know if it'll be, I think it's gonna be circumstantial, right? Like you look at KOTOR remake, they're doing that seemingly day and date, like PC, PlayStation, same time. Whereas I don't know if the next like God of Wars, that's going to push their consoles. So they're going to, I think, just sit on the fence a little bit with this one, which I don't know if that will get them to their goal, especially when he's seemingly talking about his first party studios where he's like, we're making wonderful entertainment, some of the best the world has seen. I have to imagine he's talking about your Horizons, your God of Wars, Days Gone, what have you. Yeah. What about yeah. you, Cog? I, I agree. I think that, um, you know, the comments are very telling to me. I think what was interesting about it is um, I feel he's being more transparent as he goes on in the generation as far as what the goals are long term for, for mm. Sony. And when I hear words like we don't want to gate the audience at 10 to 20 million for, I guess, these first party first part, you know, a party exclusives that they have. To me, it screams like what Ryan's saying, like, you know, PC, you know, and, and to the, you know, we've even seen the Nixus acquisition, which is a yes. studio who is yeah. known for PC ports. So Very the writings on the wall, as far as expansion, I, I do think they are going to play in the cloud space. We did hear about, you know, the Azure deal that they did with Microsoft, you know, obviously, <laughs> Hilariously. right. They, they, they pioneered the space with Gaikai initially. Right. And now they looked at their solution and they want to partner. I know it was a, an exchange. I think they gave Microsoft, I don't know, lenses or something. I can't remember the, the details of what, what happened there, but I do remember them jumping into Microsoft Azure. And I thought that yep. was a big, subtle thing. So, yeah, mobile as well. You know, I, I do think Sony is the type. I agree with you, Maddie, though. Sony's the type to kind of do like a half one step forward, not like the full dive in like Microsoft. Microsoft would, would mm. ultimately commit. But I think they, you know, do the double dip, maybe spread out the release. I'm not sure yeah. of day and date yet. I know a lot of people are staying, saying that, but I do think they are slowly pivoting in that direction and they want to reach a lot larger audience. That's what I think. Yeah, absolutely agreed. What do we think of China, though, with the recent rules and limitations? Like Michael had stated, we, we've seen that there uh, was a report we talked about last week where they were going to limit games with like uh, that were morally gray or had choices that had like effeminate men. There was also the recent statement that is official, which is that if you're below 18, you can only play three hours a week. So do you think that this impacts Microsoft's goal? Because, you know, like it or not, there are there's a, a, a huge population in China and uh, they would need to tap into that to some extent to reach that goal of tens of millions, hundreds of millions, like they've both been talking about. I mean, I'll jump in. I mean, Please. it's, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, right? if you were going to jump in. But um, yeah, I mean, this, it, it is interesting because China is a market, right? We, we can't deny the impact, I believe, consoles, you know, just now getting there, stuff like that. But when you hear about, you know, these comments and the restrictions and, and things of that nature from, you know, 
what type of game i just look at it and put it like this like a game like mass effect would never exist <laughs> in china you know what I'm to be honest you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. as far as same-sex relationships as far as choice morally moral choices things of that nature so that's a fine line that game companies are going to have to 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 play when you're trying to penetrate that market and um yeah i don't know i i, I don't know the question to, to your question i'm not sure if they can do it without maybe the metric show they can't I, I i'm not sure that's the part i'm unsure of you mm-hmm. know but what do you think ryan well first uh, i have to apologize to you guys i've got to give you about a 10 minute warning here because yeah. we are we're recording in the middle of the work day so i've, no, I've no, no, no. snuck out you. for this but um mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's a great question i i'll be honest i i don't pretend to have the answer to this one i don't even want to try and bs it i mean obviously definitely i definitely know that china is a massive market of course it is but i i will say that I mean, the, the North American market's strong. Europe is extremely strong. The South American market has been booming in the gaming space. I mean, it's a it's a big, it, it's probably one of the biggest markets for Microsoft now. Maybe, I don't know if it's bigger than Europe because, you know, famously like PlayStation's always dominated Europe and, and Xbox hasn't. But um, like the, I know there's a, there's a massive community of Xbox gamers in, in uh, South and Central America. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know how much of, of China would, you know, if you can factor that out and still, still achieve those goals. But, um, you know, if you're a, if you're a game company, you obviously, you know, there's not, you don't have a lot of control there. So, and they know that they need to, so they they need to achieve their goals by means that they can control. So yeah, we'll see what happens, but more gaming is good, period. Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, man. I mean, if you want, uh, Maddie, if I was going to ask, because I know Ryan's time is limited. If you don't mind, if maybe we can get the undead uh, last kind of topic. Scroll that's down his story. to that. My yep, man, my man. And say, then yep. we'll see Ryan, and then we'll if we because there's still a lot of stuff. to Absolutely, talk about. we'll 100 percent do that. Yeah, this is this is your write up. So if you want to go ahead and read that, because uh, you know <laughs> it's all you, man. Shout out to Cog. Just quick backstory because my arm is is extremely sore today, and I I, I literally can't type. So I was just like, no, hey, can you do this? So shout out to him for doing this. He added this into our news story. So go for it, Cog. Yeah, I'm just going to scroll down a little bit. <laughs> Apologies. No, you're good. Um, yeah, so again, breaking news from the legend himself, uh, Ryan McCaffrey, kind of broke it on IGN. Yeah, State of Decay uh, founder Jeff Strange starts a new studio, Possibility Space. So it's kind of a work-from-home developer, big ambitious goal. So Jeff Strange, yeah, the founder of State of Decay, he uh, previously worked at ArenaNet. He is now going to be starting a studio based in New Orleans, Possibility Space. Studio will be a distributed team, meaning employees can work from anywhere. Team aims to create a triple-A game. Then he goes on the way, it goes on actually just talk about how is referring his time at Microsoft, and then he said that if you look at the way that Microsoft manages their studios they've acquired over the past five years versus 10 years ago, there's a profound difference. He said he'd do a mm-hmm. good job of acknowledging the diversity of cultures and strengths and not weaknesses. So he's pretty much given props there. And then he goes on to, I mean, this team that's acquired is a pretty much, it's an all-star team of, of talent. You know, you've got Jane Eng from Campo Stanto Valve, Austin Walker, Waypoint Media, Liz England, Ubisoft, Brandon Dillon, Oculus, my boy Richard Fogey, who was previously an Undead Labs, who I know very well. Um, Eric, I mean, this is just a, a great 
talent. And so basically he was saying that some will work out of New Orleans, but most will not. He said the pandemic accelerated a lot of trends that are already in place. The fact that it is completely past possible to work wherever you want and live wherever you want to live. I do think that most developers like that kind of freedom. Most game studios have shown during the pandemic that you continue to develop great games in a distributed fashion. For me, the opportunity is here. Let's lean into a fully distributed studio. It's about your culture. Let's embrace it and have access to a global talent pool. So, Ryan, yeah, this is your article. You kind of broke it on IGN. This is huge news. What do you think about this? And then also, you know, the second part of this question I have for you is, um, what do we think about the future of Undead Labs after this? So I wanted to two-part it with you before yeah. you go. Yeah, no, I had, had a chance to talk to Jeff for about half an hour last week ahead of this, and yeah, he's, I mean, this is a, an accomplished guy. I mean, prior, you mentioned ArenaNet. Uh, of course, he's founded Undead, Undead Labs, which has made so far two State of Decay games. Before that, he was the original lead programmer on World of Warcraft way wow. back. So it's a wow. guy who's who's uh, done some stuff in the business. And he's. I, I really enjoy talking to him. He's one of the more genuine people, uh, particularly at his level, that I get I have the pleasure of speaking with from time to time. And yeah, I mean, I uh, I'm excited to see what they do. I, it's he's saying all the right things as far as you know. I, I brought up sort of the, his response. He wrote an open letter that IGN published in response to the the horrific accusations and situation at Blizzard with the lawsuit there from the state of California. And he basically he he openly called for unionization and said, "Hey," and, and then he I follow. I said, "Hey," last week I say, hey, you know, it's been a month or two since you published that what you know what do you think what now and he said well you know my goal there was to for somebody at the studio head level i, I want to help kind of defang the the scary idea of unionization defang it for not for for developers but for studio heads and publishers the people at the top that would be faced with the union right. so uh he's you know he's he's embracing diversity he's embracing uh employee health and wellness Saying all the right stuff, and uh, and and I wish him the best. Certainly, I mean, he he said he's you know that they I are you guys going to be making a, a big game, a small game? And he said, well, we have big ambitious goals and the resources to achieve those goals. Mm. So huh. you know, I don't know who he's if he's signed with somebody and they're not saying yet, uh, pub, like publisher wise or what. But it's you know it's another it's another new creative group that'll be in an area of the country where. You know, New Orleans, I mean, I know even though they're yeah. distributed, we're, but they don't, like New Orleans, you don't think of New Orleans as a game development hotbed the way you do, you know, sure. Seattle or Austin or San Francisco or Los Angeles. So, you know, let's let's start getting some, and, and he made a big point during our conversation of wanting to do a lot of mentorship and bringing in, you know, people from the South and that, that sort of greater community and give them opportunity in the game space. So... I love it. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to see what they do in the, in the next in the next few years. And and as for State of Decay, I mean, he told me he said he's very proud of what they did there. You know, they did something that that I would agree with him when he said that that nobody had really done before, which is a zombie game kind of built on systems and role playing. Um, mm. You know, not just a, a shooter or a hack and slash kind of game. And he said, yeah, you know, it was uh, for him. Him and his wife are both from the South, and they they're the health their parents kind of needed them closer so he he you know there was a family motivation for him and his wife to go and because of course undead labs is in seattle yep and uh and he also said you know it's 10 years he, he was he was ready for a little creative renewal as well he, 
he made, you know, he certainly wasn't speaking ill of State of Decay 3. He says there's a lot of fresh talent in there that he thinks is going to bring State of Decay 3, you know, to the place it needs to be, which is, you know, that that higher polish version of the game that, you know, we've seen uh, two great kind of rough sketches of that now uh, hopefully with Microsoft's full backing, they'll be able to to really mm-hmm. deliver uh, on the full potential of that of that IP. So, yeah, it's a good thing. I mean, this is just, this is a, it's a, it's a, a healthy tree that has, that has, uh, you know, its fruit is bearing new seeds and hopefully will grow into awesome new trees uh, that also bear fruit later well, and well just played. end up giving us more great games to play. But Ryan, Absolutely. we know how the internet works. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how the internet works, right? <laughs> They're going to say. That's how real life works, though. That's the I thing. Know, it doesn't I know. matter what real the life, I know, but you're talking with common sense. I got I to play in to what the internet's going to say. They're going to say, how is the studio head of Undead Left? What did Microsoft do that he couldn't stay, that he couldn't fulfill his dream? That's what they're going to say, right? <laughs> if you're, If you're, you know, Parents getting older, you know, if it, it, it's families, a hell of a lot more important to most people, I think, than than making, uh, you know, another video game, which you can do. You can do that from anywhere you want. And that's mm-hmm. what that's what we've learned in the pandemic. You can do that from wherever you want. So probably one of the, the few benefits that you could lay out about that whole situation is we're seeing work culture change a lot. We actually have a story later on about, you know. Yeah how many days of, of work we're seeing in Eidos Montreal and we're seeing this. So yeah. it's it's going to become a much more flexible industry. Ryan, I'm sure you could speak to this as well on the front of previews where previews for us have changed entirely where now we, at least for me, I used to fly places, drive places. Now it's like, hey, do you have, um, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of Parsec. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, we're going to stream exactly. it right to your PC and you'll, and you'll check it out that way. That's how I did a number of previews this year. So uh, it just continues to be that way. Sometimes they do local installs like Battlefield, but most times now it's just stream. So we're just seeing a much more remote industry, which uh, which I think is a good thing because I think some people work their best when they just have that freedom of schedule. Yeah, yeah. And salute to them. I, again, I, I got a chance to meet all of these guys. Wonderful team. Jeff has been awesome. Rich has is, is, is been awesome. Foggy has been awesome. You know, great talent. And yeah, I remember them initially starting a, a university or something in, in in New Orleans at one point, you know, and to see, listen, at the end of the day, I, I feel the family thing. And I feel the fact that um, I feel a sense of nobility with what he's trying to do as far as the games industry, as far as unionization. I know yeah. shout out to Jason Schreier. This is something he's always been championing and yeah. talking about. And, you know, look, you know, the, I, I like the aspect of this new development studio where you can work remotely you you don't have to be at a physical location and maybe that tends to lean towards the future of game development so yeah Mm -hmm. wish him the best see what's going on my only question not to feed internet trolls was just that i was surprised that we didn't get an announcement maybe from microsoft on who the transitionary studio head from undead labs is that was my only question but other than that the reasons that jeff strain is saying and then also he didn't say any ill will he seems like state of decay is in good hands there's great talent there so you know that that's where i'm at i love i love undead labs i love state of decay i'm a huge fan of them and i'm a huge fan of jeff and that that team so wish them the best and uh, hopefully they succeed on that new triple a endeavor absolutely and kudos to ryan for breaking that story we appreciate you being here for some of this episode, for sharing your your wisdom, your knowledge, all of that. And we hope to get you in for a full episode one of these weeks. Yeah, it was fun, guys. Thanks for having me. 
Absolutely, man. The legendary Ryan. Before you go, I gotta gotta give you your flowers, Ryan. Man, you don't <laughs> you don't get your flowers enough. I really love what you do in the community. You you know, as far as I'm concerned. You're you're on the Mount Rushmore for my podcast hosts, and I had to tell you that you know you you and Colin are up there. And um, one thing I like about what you do also for for content creators of color, you're always championing that stuff. And um, just an honor to always podcast with you. And and thank you. I mean, obviously, Maddie gave me this great opportunity to work with him at Defining Duke, but it was cool to see your, your co-sign, and, and and it really it really resonated with me. And I want to thank you personally. And always a pleasure here. And you still have, in my opinion, one of the greatest interviews of all time. Generational Xbox One, Seamus Blackley, Peter Moore. Oh, that's a Bill good one. That's that is good the GOAT yeah. Xbox interview, yeah. in my opinion, of all time. Got to give it your flowers. The legendary. Now he's a Duke. He's Duke. Right, Kev. Indeed. <laughs> Very kind, gentlemen. Yeah, it's... Uh... I, that one, that's the one thing I'll probably, I will probably never top that at IGN. That was a, that was, that was a lot of planets aligning and a lot of, there was like six months of legwork that went into that. That was, but yeah, boy, that, thank you for saying that. That's uh that one will always be near and dear to my heart. And yeah, always you've, brother. you've earned, you personally, you've earned every opportunity you've, you've had and uh, you deserve all your success. And I'm happy to see you rocking it on this show as well as Iron Lords. And thanks for having me. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolute pleasure, man. Absolute pleasure. Always welcome here. Always welcome back, sir. You already know. Cheers, gentlemen. All right. Cheers to finding a new audience. Enjoy Thank your you. day, brother. Peace out. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Number four. It's 2021 and Fallout 3 received a new update on Steam. Yes, really. After 13 years, version 1.7.0.4 is out and it's a bit more substantial than you may expect. Coming in at a whopping 5.4 megabytes, this new update removes the bemoaned service, Games for Windows Live. This service closed down in July of 2014 and since then left Fallout 3 on Steam unplayable without mods. Fortunately, GOG's version of Fallout 3 Game of the Year Edition had removed this already, so there was already an alternative, albeit on a different launcher. This one's uh, this one's gotten a little bit more far-reaching since yeah. the news broke because I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, gotta, gotta I was going to say there was an impact on the modding scene. What were you about to say? No, I'm deferring to you. I saw your Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so I need I need these Maddie bars. I need I need to know what's going on. Why educate us on why this is so significant? Okay. <sighs> yeah. Let's think you couldn't even play the game if you had it on Steam unless you had mods to remove it. And and here's the thing. I come from a hardcore Fallout audience. So I know when I bring this up as a sticking point, they're like, just install a mod. I'm like, not everyone knows how to just do that, even with something as simple as this one. It's it's still the reality is you cannot click play and fire up the game. It just sadly does not work that way. So it should. This sidesteps that. It's now like the GOG version. You can play it. However, this is why I'm still championing. You've got to re-release Fallout 3. you got to re-release New Vegas. Because under the hood, there is a multi-core issue that 
cannot just simply be remedied and it's causing stability issues that people are learning about again, which has been around for about 13 years now, but I digress. What happens is for some reason, if your computer has more than two cores, your game will crash frequently. There are sessions where it will run better than other times. Like my friend was playing Fallout 3 last night. He played for about three hours. He was good. No problems whatsoever. But there are a lot of times, like I've been playing New Vegas. Uh, I just wrapped it up, but I was playing it for a video. And uh, let me just tell you, I feel bad for anyone who was on my Steam friends list because it would constantly say, Robert Gorn's playing this. Robert Gorn's playing that. Because that's my Steam name, by the way. Shout out to Robert Gorn, the OG detective. But anyway, <laughs> it would just constantly... <laughs> it would constantly just be saying, I'm firing up games, right? And, uh, and it's because it's always crashing. So that still needs to be fixed. What's also happened from this, more importantly, is for those of you who are playing Fallout 3, because I imagine if you are to this day, you're either feeling nostalgic or you've modded it, this update breaks the mods because a lot of these mods are based off what's called the Fallout Script Extender. And that's, okay. that's cemented in the current version of Fallout 3, which rightfully so. They didn't expect them to update it. It checks notes 13 years later. So they provide this new update for it. And now Fallout Script Extender is out of sync with what Fallout 3 is, unfortunately. Got it. Which now means that they've got to do an update on the modding end and they didn't expect this. So some of the modders have moved on completely. They don't even mod anymore in mm. some instances. Wow. So this could get a little hairy, but their upside, their upside, their website updated and said that they're That's going insane. to be doing some type of update. They just don't know when. So it could be a while before okay. Fallout 3 is moddable. So for those who want to dive back Ooh. in, you can safely do so on Steam. You already could on GOG. Uh, mm -hmm. But beyond that, uh, good luck modding it because you need Script Extender for a lot of the significant mods. Wow, this is interesting. I, I, again, I wonder if it would be a precursor to, like you said, the eventual remaster mm, yeah. or something. Like, it's just we weird it. timing. Because some people were like, what do you think this is, Maddie? And I made a whole video on it because, you know, me, it's all out. Come on. Like, I, I smell the blood in the water. I'm like, here comes that, the shark. Yeah. You know, I'm oh, yeah. shark circling. <laughs> Maddie's circling. <laughs> I'm circling, but that's like, so what you guys doing? <laughs> so, dude. Thanks. When it comes to... Uh, when it comes to, to, to Fallout 3 and, and this, I do think it's just really as simple of a situation as Steam just having a, a, as competitive of a version of Fallout 3 as GOG. But I'm, again, I keep going back to why now then? Why was this not a priority? The service closed down in July of 2014. Why not three years after, four years after, five years after? And what I did was I went to SteamDB because you know me. I'm a psychopath okay. with this stuff. I'm like, I got to yes, see what's going on in the back end. New Vegas has been tinkered with slightly in the last couple of months. Uh, by the way, this is simple stuff like store tags updating, but there's motion. Fallout 4 untouched. Fallout 3, in the last like four or five months, there's been things happening. They've been going in, yeah. setting up new branches. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Why now? Mm. It, it was over. Most of this work came if SteamDB is to be fully trusted, which I think right now is really the only thing we can go off of in the terms of seeing what was happening on the back end. Right. They were working on this for a good month or so. Okay. I'm looking at it thinking to myself, okay, why now? It's clearly like a more high investment thing. Was there a particular reason behind this? I don't know if it's a precursor to anything because I feel like if you were going to do that, then you should spend some time getting that multi-core fix in. 
making it where it's not crashing as often. Those impro stability improvements are really important. It's arguably just as bad as games for Windows Live, depending on your PC. And again, there are mods to fix this too. You have to go into your Fallout Any and update mm -hmm. how it reads your cores. It's ridiculous. But again, uh, the timing of this is suspicious. Suspicious, yeah. Suspicious. The timing. I, I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. you. You got me. You got me all in on this theory because why now mm -hmm. is the question, right? Yeah, Let's man. This is, a, this is a top three game of all time for me. So there was a little excitement when I saw this just because I know it's not the biggest news story, but I saw it. I went, yo, new update. Fallout 3? Are you kidding me? I mean, uh, myself when it, when it, and uh, my my fellow Bethesda content creators, former and, and current, you know, we all like went in, made videos on this. Mine's going up today as nice. we record. I'm like, yeah, it's good to nice. be back. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. The you got the team back mm. together. Everybody's doing yeah, the cuts. I love it, man. This is dope. I hope so. It's the last so. dance version so of uh, of Bethesda. <laughs> nice. <laughs> But we'll see how this turns out still. I thought it's something that was important for our PC audience who uh, is like me. And I, I went out and bought Fallout 3 on GOG one time because I was like, I want to play Fallout 3 on PC. And yeah, you uh, you, you can only get it to run over there. So uh, now Steam version works, but there's no Steam achievements. That's the next thing people are complaining about too. No yeah, Steam achievements. So we need, we need that. We'll see in due time. For now, let's move mm -hmm. into number five. Mm-hmm. Forza Horizon 5 previews recently came scorching across the internet and the reception has been strong. During the preview period, press and creators were allowed to speak with some of the team on the game. What was learned is that the open world racer took an extra year of development in its cycle compared to prior entries. This allowed playground games to create a substantially larger world than what would have been possible under the normal two-year cycle. Creative director Mike Brown said that the size of the world would have been half as big if it were made in two years and enables them to take advantage of the Xbox Series X. Quote, from the very start of development, we planned to take three years. Part of that was due to the arrival of the Xbox Series X and S, and we knew we wanted to make some big investments in our engine so that we could take advantage of those consoles. Kind of investments that would have probably been possible in two years, but that would have pushed out a ton of other things that we wanted to do. In the terms of the world design, probably would have been half the size. Art director Don Arceta added, quote, we probably would have had half as big of a world, but also less biomes along with that and less diversity and variety, end quote. So do you think this is going to be the standard moving forward for Forza Horizon in general? It's like now that we've seen, you know, the previews are strong. The world is huge. As someone who previewed it, it's pretty surprisingly big. Um, there's a lot to do in it. Do you think that they're going to see this and go, okay, let's spend three years on this each time it comes around? Maybe, maybe. I mean, they they're gonna have their um their plate full with obviously now Fable and oh, they're doing other things yeah, as well, man. right? So oh, yeah. and we have confidence now. I saw your amazing video, sir. You know <laughs> that <laughs> that when it comes to environment and, and, and graphical fidelity, Playground is just stunning right now. So yeah, I think this is um I actually like like to hear that that they actually took the extra time you know, development time to coincide with the, the Series X and Series S release, take advantage of the hardware. The other thing that people, I think, don't give enough credit for, as beautiful as this game looks, the fact that it's still using Unreal Engine 4 is mind-blowing to me, right? Because mm. we know 5's on the horizon, and that Horizon 5 with that engine is going, like, I could already think about the future. So, yeah, yeah. I, I have no problem. Take as long as you need, and I don't have no problem spacing out the releases so that, you kind of miss Forza a little bit too. I do. I don't right. want it to get too 
in a cycle, right? Absolutely. You know, kind of thing. But yeah, I love I loved your your video. Um, you came from Thank the you. perfect perspective. <laughs> you know, the 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 force of hater that's you know coming in there. And, and but you you said it well. You know, and, and I'm literally the same perspective, which is I'm not that hardcore racing guy. I'm very casual, you know, the, thank God for the rewind button, as you said, oh. you know, it, it, it just looks beautiful. It's just like you say, the, the words you said best was like, it's a, it's a, a system showcase. This is what okay, you want to see what the series like. You want to see some graphical fidelity and fun and ease of access. This is the game for you. And yeah, shout out to the team playground, man. Very impressed with those guys. Absolutely. They, uh, they did a really good job with it. Um, it's just impressive how good it looks. I'm I'm usually not wild graphically, you know. Usually it's the art style that sticks yeah. out to me. I like the the colorful, like the pixel art. But this man, oh my gosh, it is, it is a it is a looker. Again, it's going to be a showcase game. We had a write in on Defining Duke a number of weeks ago about keeping Microsoft Flight Sim installed just to show it off. Yeah. It's going to be a game that that person and many others are going to want to keep on the hard drive as a showcase game because it is beautiful. It can really show. How how incredible these games can end up looking, and uh, you made a great point with Unreal Engine Four. I never even considered that with Bro. with the future of that series, and you know they're kind of sitting. It's kind of like Assassin's Creed, where you know they sit on certain historical periods that people want them to touch on for a while, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll do that eventually." Like it's their ace in the hole. You got Unreal Engine Five on the way, alongside like something like a Japan Fair. setting, or, or yep. just, yeah, like <laughs> that. Oh my god, man! If they just Bro. synchronize those, the hype for that game, I would be hyped. And I'm not a racing guy, even after Forza Horizon Five preview. I like it; it's good. I'm gonna play it, but like, I'm not hyped for it by any means. I'm not gonna fool myself there. Yeah. But man, they said Japan. Oh, oh my god! Some Tokyo drift stat. I mean, you yeah. know what I mean yeah. with the with the night oh. and the, bro, it's a gold mine. We all know it. We all know Unreal Engine oh. Five. To, man, yeah. yeah, people going to throw money at the screen on that one. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Sure. Fingers crossed they one day do that because I think that would be perfect. Yes, perfect. Agreed. Agreed. All right, this is number six. The celebrations for 20 years of play with Xbox has begun. The first, uh, the team got things kickstarted last week with two new pieces of hardware. First, a new Xbox Series X controller inspired by the original Xbox debug kit. It launches November 15th for $70. On top of that is a new rendition of the Xbox stereo headset, which was revealed earlier this year. This will also be going for $70 on November 15th. Frog writes in, hey Dukes. With Microsoft's unveiling of their 20th anniversary controller and headset, I was wondering what both of your favorite limited edition or uniquely designed items were. This would be custom controllers, consoles, etc. Personally, I think Nintendo have always done a great job in that regard with the Animal Crossing Switch and the Link Between Worlds 3DS being a standout for me. Thank you, and I hope you both have a failed to get your console ordered kind of day. That's foul. Man, that's, that, that hits a little close to home for some of us out there. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Frog. Yeah, man. Um, I think I said it before. For me, the Xbox One S Crimson Red oh, Gears yeah. console. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. just love that thing. You press that button, it made that sound when you power it up. You made that uh -huh. screech sound, you powered it off. It's just a beautiful looking console. It really, yeah, man. I, I love that thing. I love Absolutely. that thing. Yeah, what Absolutely. Uh, R2D2 360. Oh my gosh, man. I still got that set up because sometimes I just like that. 
turn yep, on. Yep, 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 yep. Thinking to myself, this is so fucking cool. You know, when I was in high school, it was the it was the dream console to have. I could never get it, didn't have the money for it. When I was able to afford it, I went, yeah, it's a little impulsive, but uh, <laughs> bye, thank you. There and, you go. Uh, I purchased it. Came with the C three PO controller. There's just so many little details in that console. It, it's it's one of my favorites. I also love a mm-hmm. little bit of a throwback here. I uh, I, I like the uh, Pikachu Nintendo sixty four. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Remember that. Yes. I do like that one quite a bit. It just mm-hmm. when you see someone who has like whether it be in a video or you see it online, someone who has a clean version of that. Oh, dude, that thing pops. It looks so nice. It's not right. I feel that. I feel yeah. that. Sleek. Yeah. Nice. Nintendo. Nintendo. I don't like Nintendo, but they have had a strong grip for many years, like with their limited Game oh, Boys, yeah. Game Boy yes. Advances, Nintendo, any any of their consoles, their Joy-Cons. Like I even I don't like Skyward Sword. I've, I haven't played enough of it, really. So I shouldn't say I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have no interest in it, rather. But even those Joy-Cons, I looked at and went, those yeah. are so nice. Like whoever's been doing this for the last two decades, like they just... I hope they're getting paid well. <laughs> yeah, they, bro. They're doing yeah, they a good job. They got a knack for it. They got mm-hmm. a knack for it. Absolutely. Completely agree, Nintendo. Yeah. So with that, what do you think of what Xbox is doing? You know, we, we got the anniversary stuff celebrating. It's starting now. Yes. We're a month out, Cog, as we record this. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like there's got to be more on the way, right? Certainly, yeah. if you're getting some of these little things out of the way, like use your little controller, little headset. There's got to be more beyond yeah, this yeah this this the warm-up this the warm-up <laughs> they they ready like it's, they, they gonna hit us in my opinion they're gonna hit us they're doing something that i get the vibe big plans this is historic like think about 20 years of xbox hmm. if the controllers are coming now i i i firmly believe big announcements or also diving into that history diving into that you know i think you're i think you're on to something with the um you know back compat or fps boost mm-hmm. announcements to celebrate the history let's get some classic stuff that you've been waiting for or wanted to know about and give them a last little push push of you know 15 20 game list of, you know how they yeah, do. Yeah. like one last push to really celebrate because it makes sense it's on timing it's on brand why not, right? Mm-hmm. That, so I, I'm with you there. I think we we're gonna get we're gonna get some big announcements. Yeah, and I'm looking now. It's on a Monday. Xbox loves their Mondays, man. Oh, for sure. They for love sure. their Mondays. Sure. Times out well for Duke that week as well. Yes, we get yes, all that yes, news yeah, our sure. way. It's really good to hear for us. But beyond that, man, I, I just um, I, I, there's gotta be more. I I don't know what it is. Some people are like studio acquisition. I'm like, I don't know if that's the time. I feel like if right. you're gonna celebrate your history. I feel like back combat's the only way. Yeah, no, you, I, I, bro, and then you're on it. You know, you had the amazing that hoodie, that Xbox classic. Oh yeah. Joint. Ooh, yeah, you know what I'm saying. The merch is 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 leaning that way too. You gotta celebrate the OG. You gotta mm-hmm. celebrate the OG. It, it, you know, like I wouldn't be surprised some form of a Duke comeback. By the way, we gotta Ryan called us out. We gotta get these mm-hmm. Duke control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has to happen. Yeah, we, we, we need to get on that. Maybe oh, that's the thing. I thought if Xbox was gonna celebrate in any way, you you do your own Duke version, right? We Brian R- I should call him Brian. Ryan mm-hmm. had the 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 hyperkin version the hyperkin, yeah. of it, which uh, is I think fifty dollars on Amazon. Mm-hmm. But like Xbox should do their own official one, you know, just it's funny. Yeah, it's funny you said that. I, I noticed um the father of Xbox, uh the OG was it Seamus Blackley. Mm. He's been tweeting a lot lately. He's been tweeting a lot lately talking about some, you know, historic stuff, 
what happened during that era. I think he apologized because he was like, he apologized to AMD just like a, a couple days ago. <laughs> He's just like, you know, we're so sorry. Those guys helped us with everything. And I think they went with, uh, was it a video, whoever they went with, the other mm-hmm. chip said or whatever. And then, you know, it was just interesting. He's like apologizing to Ozzy to the head of AMD. What's the the, the the chick now? I forgot her name. Something Sue, I believe her name is. I don't but know, it, it's sure. funny. So he's in this bag. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, some type of Duke thing or some type of classic throwback. Maybe Sheamus is involved or something. Yeah. Who knows? Imagine they announce like a banjo remake. Like that's how they, you know, just like a, like a, a classic oh, renewed. I, I don't know, man. I just, I don't want to, I don't want to create lofty expectations for our audience or anything, but I also think right. it's fair. Like Xbox has had their finger on the pulse for a while now. They've sort of been hitting for the most part since I'd say that bad gameplay showcase last year. I feel like they've been good at managing expectations. They've been, uh, doing a really good job at uh, nailing it when they need to nail it. You know, there, yeah. there are certain standouts, like I think Gamescom, where it's like, that was just a really weird show. To me, it was the biggest standout was like, where's Halo? Why is it in yeah, Jeff Keighley's platform? Yeah, like we can go on about that, which we did. Yeah, but agreed. for the most part, I think they've done a really good job where I think it's fair to have a higher expectation of them and, and what they're going to provide us. Um, and especially with the, again, the way that they're bringing out controllers and headsets now, it's like this is the the pre-order stuff. Like, you just, yeah, you know, get it now. Here, this is this is the window where people can actually hear about this thing because when the day comes, there will be much more to talk about Agreed. than that. I agree. So we'll see what that is. For now, we move on to number seven. Square Enix-owned Eidos Montreal has made a very competitive move in the Canadian game development community, making it a much more appealing place to work at. Announced this past week was four-day work weeks for both the Montreal and Sherbrooke studios. A blog from studio head David and Fossey provides further insight. Quote, this initiative is another step towards the embodiment of the studio's values, building a healthy, creative, and sustainable work environment for our employees. The idea is not to condense the working hours into four days, but rather to review our ways of doing things and our quality time invested with the aim of working better. Idols Montreal says that the bo- that both studios will be closed on Fridays in the next few weeks without changing the working conditions currently in place, nor the salaries of employees, thus switching from a 40-hour work week to 32 hours. I thought this was significant because yeah. Montreal, big place for game development. And now Idols Montreal is saying, you only got to work four days here, and we're about the quality of your work. What do you think? I thought this was really surprising to see. This is significant, you know, and um, shout out to Ryan. They talked about it on, he talked about it on a podcast Unlocked with his team. And you said it best, Maddie. Like, you know, that the Canadian game scene is very competitive, right? There's a lot going on there. You know, I believe Ubisoft, I believe EA has, you know, studios there. There's a lot going on there. So, you know, first, let's just get to the meat of it. Like, it's so pro developer. It's so creating a great environment. And to mm-hmm. be honest, I I would even took the four days, 40 hours. And I'd be like, yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> you get the three days. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We, I've worked that shift before. You know what I'm saying? At IT. Mm-hmm. I loved it. So, you know, to, to say that, hey, you're still going to get paid at that 40 hour rate with the 32 hours. You know, that's kind of kind of nice, man. And, mm-hmm. and we're starting to see things lean this way, you know, with this news. And now we're here. Remember, we talked about Under Labs with and Jeff Strain. And he's pro unionization and pro work from. I think the scope of game development is slowly changing. And this is just great to see. This is great, great to see. You don't want you know, I'm not going to say that this is going to uh, automatically eliminate crunch. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, these are the 
kind of steps we want to see these game in the game industry taken. I'm always for this kind of stuff. But what, what what's your thought process hearing, you know, a 32 hour work week, you know, them shift? Yeah, I mean, it sounds amazing. I, I do have to wonder. I'm going to probably sound like an asshole here, but that's fine. Yeah, I, I do. I do wonder from a standpoint of number one, I'm kind of surprised that Square Enix, who effectively just shopped off Crystal Dynamics to Xbox, is letting a, a Western studio of theirs like go ahead and do something like this. I just. I don't get it. I don't. I don't know what's going on there. I don't get it. They they just clearly either don't care or something like that. But also, I don't watch Montreal. Like I don't think they're like a, a high grossing studio where um you know they got a ton of money coming in and they can effectively when you remove those extra eight hours per week that adds up and um I just wonder how quickly they get their games done now. Those are the, by the way I'm not saying urgently I need those games. It's more so a talking point of. This stretches out development a little bit more. This adds to the budget a little bit more uh, because you're developing the game for a little bit longer. Plus, game development's already going to be taking a while. Uh, this isn't accounting for potential freelance workers that they hire to do certain right. things, which can maybe plug in some of those gaps, but you have to be really on your shit there. So mm -hmm. I think this is great. And to me, the priority is keeping people healthy as someone who consistently overworks themselves. Yeah, like, great. You know, I, I think this is what you want. But yeah, I also yeah. just need to talk about, of course, the nature of what people kind of pay attention to these series for, which is the games. And just know that I think it's important the developer's quality of life is the best it can be. That should be the priority. Uh, but yeah, the games are not going to be as competitive in the sense of their release timing. They they right. may take longer. Not as competitive in the terms of quality. In fact, they may be better. Um, but you might not see Eidos Montreal for a while after Guardians of the right. Galaxy. Right. No, it's a possibility. We got to see how it affects, yeah, that that longevity with, as far as game release, and it's just interesting. I, I'm, I, I, my, I guess if I was a fly in the room, what led them to that conclusion, mm. right? What led them to say, "Hey, Good we thought. need to cut that back" or whatever. That's the thing. I'm always you're going to be pro developer and pro things that benefit them, but it's rare you see stuff like this, right? So. I'm very curious. I yeah. want to see. And if it's a trend that continues other places, will, will this take shape somewhere else? We saw this at a studio. I think it was an indie studio recently. They shifted to four-day work weeks. This is the first we've seen on a, if you will, AAA level. Yeah. So, we're, we're, as you said, slowly, steadily working that way. And it'll be interesting to see who follows in line. And I feel like the only way they'll follow in line is if you see people leaving for Idos Montreal. Yeah, good point. Good point. It'll be really interesting, but I thought this was definitely worth talking about because uh, it does impact the consumer in a particular way. But also, uh, I think it's really good to know that uh, there's companies taking care of their employees to the best of their ability, at least. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Last bit of news. This one, Cog, you also wrote up. Do you want to read it or shall I? Yeah, I mean, I'll jump in. Uh, so basically, Disney teases a Star Wars video game announcement for December. Disney and Lucasfilm have teased a Star Wars video game announcement as part of a publishing campaign that will reveal new Star Wars products every Tuesday for the rest of the year. An announcement in an article on the official Star Wars website, the companies have launched their Bring Home the Bounty campaign, which will see new Star Wars toys, collectibles, books, apparels, and more. 
While it's unclear at this point whether the announcement will contain information about an already existing game or something completely new, there are currently a number of different developers working on games set in a galaxy far, far away. With EA's exclusivities deal over Star Wars games near its end, it was announced earlier this year that Ubisoft is working on its own open-world Star Wars entry. In an interview with IGN earlier this year, senior VP of Walter, Walt Disney Games' Sean Shoptor explained that he and his team had met with Ubisoft Massive after Disney's acquisition of Fox, which included an already-in-development Avatar video game project. EA's exclusivity deal over the Star Wars franchise is set to run out. That by no means suggests the publisher is stepping away from the universe. EA CEO Andrew Wilson made very clear that Star Wars had been hugely profitable for the company and confirmed it will still be working on games set in the universe. One game we can seemingly count on from EA is Jedi Fallen Order sequel. Aside from that, Quantum Dream is also rumored to be developing its own Star Wars game, and it was revealed during Sony's PlayStation Showcase that the team is... Is it Aspire, right? Always yes. It. Yep, yep. There we go. Yes, yes. I'm going to get correct. Fanboys are coming at me. Remaking <laughs> Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic from the ground up for modern consoles. The KOTOR remake is set to release for PS5 as a console exclusive at launch alongside a PC release. Though at present, the game does not have an official release date. Whether or not December 14th will delve further into one of the projects above or link to something completely different is anyone's guess. So, Maddie. Mm. Star Wars video game announcement in December. What do you think? How ready are you? Uh, well, I'm always ready for more Star Wars. <laughs> I gotta be honest. Star Wars gaming, I should say. But mm-hmm. I find this surprising because December 8th is the Game Awards, if I'm remembering the date correctly, right? So this is taking right. this announcements after the Game Awards, Ooh. if I if I'm remembering correctly. And right. and I'm wondering why they're making it individual. It, I would assume then it's something new, not something we already know, because if it's something we already know, you would think it would be at Jeff's showcase. There is mm-hmm. also, um, I saw Jeff Grubb joke about it on Twitter, but it was still a good point. There is that Zynga Star Wars <laughs> Galaxies game or something like that, <laughs> that, that, that free-to-play thing that they're working yeah. on. That is still out in the wild. They did release a trailer for it in the last couple of months, and I'm wondering if that's it, because I do think there was a bounty hunter in the trail i don't know i, I don't want to get too galaxy <laughs> brain with it pardon the pun but i worry a little bit about that stuff because yeah. you know it's so easy to get excited for star wars gaming in my opinion uh with kotor remake out there but also the the prospect of an open world star wars game something we've never seen before right i i don't know if i can be excited about a ubisoft game anymore speaking yeah. of that i called myself out Let's go. This is how quickly things changed. Two years ago, in like 2019, I made a video called Ubisoft Games Can Be Underappreciated. And wow, have the tides turned. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, I yeah, know. Looking back now, yeah. I know. I know. Because <laughs> I remember watching a video from my buddy. I was like, he's right. Like, there are some ones that they make, like old, some current ones that are like junk food. And I was about it. But then it got tired really yeah, fucking quick. Really like, fast. So really I, fast. I don't know. My excitement for a Ubisoft massive third person shooter open world Star Wars game, I imagine. Uh, soured on it a bit so if it's yeah. that i'm gonna be like all right cool mm-hmm. what about you yeah, we, yeah we're gonna see I, I this is very surprising to me i did not expect this this you know especially after the quantum quantic dream one you know we obviously you saw massive one obviously we know ea is gonna eventually do a fall in order two but i didn't expect anything so quickly maybe next year like now mm-hmm. i felt like quick so i don't want to get too excited i just hope it ain't you know you know, like we said, some goofy mm-hmm. sideshow mobile or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, 
you know, I, I don't you know want to get too crazy, but I do think you're on to something with Game Awards because Game Awards, I believe, is December 9th. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, it's December 9th. 9th. Okay. Yeah, so timing fits. Time yeah, fits. yeah, like a reveal and then the full yeah. reveal December 14th. I mean, that's what's interesting about gaming now is I remember when I first really started getting into YouTube and doing news coverage, like that time of year was dead. Yes. January, February were dead. We're really starting to fill out the calendar where there's something to talk about every day at this point. I agree. It's so I agree. much. I, I totally agree. I'm I'm so used to December. Nothing is supposed to happen. Right. We got. Halo. I remember those days. Yeah. Now Halo, this, that, and then also, you know, when it also flipped for me, it was about 2017 when the Switch came out. March. Mm. Like March being this big thing now, March you can release now. Yeah, yeah look, the console at launch, you can release AAA. Like this new thing now, so it's like almost like every month of the year, though, is something yeah. going on now. Like yeah. the new cycle is robust now for sure. Absolutely. What do you think the odds are of a Jedi Fallen Order two? Because we know Jason Schreier put it in one of his articles a while back. He was like, "Yeah, it's there's a sequel coming." It it did it exceptionally well, so I expected nothing less, but. Do you think this could be the time to announce that? When was damn? What, let's do the timeline. When was twenty nineteen? It came out end of twenty nineteen. I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. It's po possible to announce. I don't know if you're obviously ready, but it's possible. It did well for them, you know. Mm -hmm. it, you know, the other ones. It's on Game Pass. Oh, hey, I, I like Jedi. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you, you talk a respawn. Like, hey, hey, I ain't gonna say no. <laughs> I got a, I got a galaxy brain prediction. That's that's Let's coming go. on here, right? Uh -oh. This is for the bring home the bounty campaign. We know the the book of Boba is coming out in mm -hmm. December. Remember that leaked Mandalorian game we were talking about? I'm wondering. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering. Yeah. <laughs> Lockhart, get me. Lockhart, get me. You know what to do. Bro, I've been waiting for that one. That's the one I'm waiting for. It's time. Don't get don't get me excited. Maddie, that's my heart right there. What? You know, like Ryan said gracefully before he exited, it's like a planets aligning kind of moment there where it's a bounty campaign. We saw the leak. We have Book of Boba. You drop that Mandalorian announcement because I, I'm thinking to me, Jedi Fallen Order is more of a Star Wars celebration announcement. Okay. Long, you know, like, I feel like that's where it fits. Bounty, bounty hunt. Yeah. Oh, you may yeah. be onto something. That or it's the Zynga game. <laughs> it's the Zynga game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get our feelings yeah. hurt. It'd be the Zynga game. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, well, what's, that, what's that game even called? Zynga Star Ugh. Wars. It's called Ugh. Hunters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that could be just. Everyone be wary. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars Hunter is an upcoming competitive arena combat game being developed by Zynga for Switch, iOS, Android, set to release <laughs> in 2022. And look, it's called Bring Back the Bounty. Yeah. The name is yeah, called Star Wars <laughs> Hunters. Yeah. We got a welcome to the arena trailer a month ago. I just... Yeah. It's it's on cog. It's literally full or it's empty yeah. right now. We're looking at a gas tank. <laughs> it's yes. one end to the other. Yeah, bro. I mean, it it, it, it most likely would be that. But <sighs> listen, I'm holding out hope, man. <sighs> I am holding out Mandalorian, bro. That's the bunny maker. That's the one. Mm. And if it is, if the dream comes true, 
Xbox, you better get yourself attached to that. Mm-hmm. Pop mm-hmm. culture. Popular. Pop culture. Let's go. That, that, some, you better be a part of the conversation. Even if it's multiple, they better be yeah. on the platform. Do what you did with Far Cry. Just make it like, this is the main console. Same yeah. thing with Battlefield. This is the main console. It's Marketing just, rights, right? Do something. Yeah, right? you just attach yourself to that popular exactly. thing. Please. The ego. Yes. It needs to go. It needs Agreed. to go. Agreed. All right. That's the news for this week. Now we move on to our Game Pass pick of the week. Ryan's not here to do it. so. But he did say it. He did say it earlier. He did say it, yeah, back for blood. Can I defer to you for this? Because I was yeah. going to say, that seems like the most obvious pick right for now. Sure. We for didn't sure. prepare for, for, sure. for, for how it would end up. But um, do you sure. want to talk a little bit more about back yeah, for blood and your yeah. experience with it? Man, it's so much fun. I mean, I, clearly I'm biased. I'm such a left and there fanboy, but... Mm. You know, let, let's get the negative out the way first. They sure. have to address single player, right? Because from my yeah. understanding, progression and achievements are not moving forward. And that's bad. That's mm. bad. They, they That cannot be happening on, on, on a, for single player if it's that want to just do it out experience. But, um, you know, oh, and also, <laughs> it's, I don't know if you saw my tweet, but uh, when I booted it up, I got this like disclaimer, like, oh, just so you know, you know, oh, your party chat is going to be recorded and this, that, and the third. I'm mm. like, interesting. Now, probably most people do mm, that. You know, I didn't see a, that. Yeah. So I was like, it, you know, most gamers do that in the crossplay space now, I guess. But it was just interesting that they, they were very transparent. Tell us. Aside from all of that, the game, it is a romp. It is a romp. I, I got the homies together. Shout out to my boy Gaming Forte. Shout out to Demon. You know what I'm saying? My boy Revos. And we were just rocking, man. It, it, what I love about... The reason why I love it so much is that what makes Left 4 Dead so fun and now Back for Blood, the makers of it, is that I love the ammo, ammo economy. Mm. And it's like, okay, okay, guys, what you got? Right, I got to snap you off. You find ammo, let me know. I need this, that, third. Same thing with the rare, the epic attachments for the weapons and stuff like that. You know, I, right. I, I love that aspect. And I love actually friendly fire. You just can't go willy-nilly just, yo, stop shooting me. And then the banter that the characters have with each I other. I thought that was so good in the... Uh, so yeah. good. I, I forgot really... the chick's name. And if, you know... She gets touched by the zombies. She says like off-color things, like, "Oh, what are you, a politician?" And I'm like, "Yo, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, like they, it's off the chain." Like the characters really like shine that. with the personalities. They got the cinematics. I love the card system. You know, they they've got those those different little modifiers that the game try to throws at you. Mm-hmm. It's just what I like about it too is from instance to instance, no game is the same. The way the monsters spawn, the way the different enemy types come at you. And you really got to knuckle down. It, it adds a freshness to the game. So we got, you know, almost through the first act together. I wanted to stay up all night playing. I'm like, look, I got work today. I got to find a Duke. Yeah, I, can't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know I remember. I remember this because you and I both said, like, yeah, we got to get up early for this episode. But bro, <laughs> we're going to stay up late anyway, aren't we? Stay up late anyway. <laughs> I remember, like, I messaged you at five. I was like, yeah, hitting the sheets now. But just had a random thought about, like, our, and that's why I messaged you about the, the, the Ryan McCaffrey thing. I was like, maybe we hold him for a week just to get him yeah. in a more exciting week. And then I woke up and I think I had a message from you at 6 a.m. You're, like, yeah, you're like, you're good, bro. I'm just like, bro. who's up at six? <laughs> bro, it was that night, bro. We, we had that we had that good session. I didn't want to stop. I'm like, yo, this is so mm-hmm. much fun. Complete Robert Friends. Back for Black. I think this is going to do really well in Game Pass. You know, yeah. it's the perfect Game Pass game. It's just now continue the content, continue everything they need to do. 
And um, yeah, I know Ryan's a big fan of it as well. And he was talking about it on on uh, podcast unlocked. And he's 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 going diving. You saw his backdrop. He, he's about, he's about to dive in that. Absolutely. Left for Dead is a cult classic. And the fact that it's not on back compact, this generation will now experience why we love that game so much. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to dive into it. Probably this weekend. I got a busy weekend ahead of me, so I don't know. I might be very late to Back for Blood. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had a faux pas. They gave me a review code on Friday. First time this has happened since, by the way, Dragon Age Inquisition. So seven years. This mm-hmm. review code ended up in my junk mail, which I typically check. <gasps> I didn't check the junk that mail that sucks, weekend. Yeah, yeah, so I, I missed it, and uh, I had a window to play it over the weekend. Not much was happening. I did lose power all day Saturday, so I guess it, it was just not meant to be. Uh, mm-hmm. But I digress. It uh. It was something that I'm probably going to be late to. So I'm excited to dive in when I when um, the opportunity presents itself. Um, and I'm curious how, with the full game now, one of the things I was wondering is progression with the cards and all that stuff and yes. how you get into those higher difficulties. Because when we tried Back for Blood on those very, very high difficulties, like we got stomped right away. And I was thinking to myself, okay, you need certain cards for this. I wonder how it's going to play out now. Uh, that's the one thing I really want to gun for and, and, and lay my hands on is... is What's the end game, the deep yes. game, if you will, like? Good because point. some people complained about uh, World War Z for that. They were saying how you know to, to play those high, high difficulties, you had to grind a lot um, to get to the point where you couldn't. I'm wondering if they're going to do the same here with Back for Blood or not, because you, you need to grind for something in the terms of progression. Yeah. So we'll we'll see with that. I'm very curious about that. But thank you so much for, for filling in there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No worries. Let's do the five final questions to wrap yeah. up this episode. First one comes from Derek O. Greetings, Dukes. I just spent the weekend blasting through Metroid Dread and love every second of it, but it got me thinking about how the Metroidvania genre doesn't get a lot of AAA love now that Ori is done. If Xbox were to take one of its IPs and give it the AAA Metroidvania treatment, which one do you think would translate best? Or do you think they'd just bring back ReCore? Good question, Derek. I was thinking about it. It's actually the, the the no-brainer one. I was actually thinking about Halo. I really? Was, I, yeah, really? because I've been... Let me tell you why. I was playing... I've been playing a lot of Metroid Dread. I love it, right? And I look at, you know, main character, you know, Metroid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I like, you know, Sue. And, you know, she, she, she's got the vibe. And here's the thing. Sure. I'm looking at all the abilities in Halo Infinite. And I'm like, mm-hmm. grappling hook. You know what I'm saying? It's not like Master Chief. Can, heads that. You know what I'm saying? He can't really fly, so he can platform, right? I see where your head's at. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know how you would make some self-contained story saying that he would have to be doing something, or if you're going to include Master Chief at all, maybe some other It would have to be cap- like an ODST kind of story. Yes, probably. like an ODST. Yeah. Or you could spin off, right? And mm. I, I could see it. You know what I'm saying? I get, listen, they did Halo Wars before. No one thought, you know, that was going to pop. I remember yeah. there was, um, remember there was another Halo game. I'm going to say, was it a twin stick shooter or something? Uh, yeah, like, Spartan Assault. Twin Spartan stick Assault. Yeah. They've played with Halo in different spaces. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, there's probably there's other choices, of course, but. I can see a scenario where they can plug Master Chief in that way and tell, or, uh, you know, a Halo character and someone in the universe with Spartan armor in there. But what what do you got? I know mine's not the most original, but, but what do you I, have uh, for you? I have a little bit of an interesting one. Ooh. I'm going to say Doom. Okay. okay. Yeah. I just feel like, again, this is about tool sets. And, and your thoughts on Halo sort of made me solidify that because I was jumping around in my head a little bit 
when I read this thinking like, what would I pick? And sometimes, by the way, full transparency with the audience, sometimes I really like the questions. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to get an answer. Like I'll, I'll think of it later. You know, I, I yeah. but I, I want to have that conversation and your talk on halo got me thinking, you know what? Doom's got a pretty cool tool set. Oh yeah. And the thought process of forcing that into a 2d plane and kind of taking like a katana zero approach to it of like speed very visceral combat. Oh, yeah. I think there's something there. Would that be the best way to play Doom? No, I think it's best in a 3D space. But I think a AAA Metroidvania Doom spinoff could be actually really cool. Uh, a lot of people are, uh, have brought up ReCore recently, I've seen. And I remember when I reviewed that, I, I did not like ReCore at all. I did all. not like ReCore. Yeah. I, I, and again, I, this is a huge Mega Man fan. I, I believe this, this this came from the yeah, original from creator. creator. Yeah, yeah. And so, I, like, it just, it was kind of disappointing. And, um, you know, for me, my answer to this would always, 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 always be Mega Man. Always, always, always. But in the terms of Xbox IP, I do think Doom could do something i just I wish that they it. bought moon studios although they've expressed no interest I in being know. purchased i just yeah. wish they could get ori permanently and i just, know it makes too much sense but I uh know. i respect their their willingness to be independent i think it's a good thing but yeah doom's gonna be my selection here no doubt no doubt because like i think of for example the shotgun grappling hook oh, and yeah. the chainsaw i'm just like wait there's so much here so, and the visceralness with the killing like yeah. it would fit uh for sure for sure Ilya Storeverov writes in hey duke boys where is monolith productions i thought their shadow of mordor game was a standout title early last gen and while the sequel had its issues it was also very good here we are four years later and not even a rumor even with all of wb selling and acquisition rumors nobody brings up monolith the latest news about them seems to be the tangential news of wb finally securing the nemesis system patent so my question is what do you think they're working on? And for fun, what do you like? What would you like to see them work on? Have a 4 p.m. Friday conference call <laughs> on a day. <laughs> oh man, monolith, monolith. I haven't thought about this. It's a good question. I there was um, what's up with the uh, GeForce Now leak? There was a Middle Ooh. Earth. Oh, bat, I forgot. Yeah, uh, there was a war or something. Like, it was a shadow of something, or like it was a. Uh, a there was a game. There was a Middle Earth Ooh. game that leaked and it was in the shadow of Mordor universe. I'll get the name in a sec, but that okay. I, I think they're working on one. There you go. And, and you know how I feel about that leak. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm with that leak. I think that leak is, is, is legit for the most part, a lot of placeholder stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. I, I liked, um, yeah, I've always, I've always liked them in, in, I like that they, to me, that last gen, they were the only one, in my opinion, I think me and Attic talked about this, like, when I remember last gen, I said, what do we want to see from gaming to change gaming? And I always felt the nemesis system was like the right step in the direction, you know, you get, you know, you're killing, you have those relationships with, with the enemies, and they remember, and stuff like that. I always thought that was a cool system, and yeah, I agree, Elia, the system, the sequel had its issues, but it was still, it was still solid, but I, I want, like, to me, I felt like the next step was AI as far as advancement. And I felt that was a step in the right direction for Mono. So I want to see what they do next. And if they're working on another Mordor game, by all means, I'm, I'll, I'll jump in that joint. It's, like, yeah. uh, it's called Fight for Middle-Earth. That was the thing mm. that leaked in GeForce Now. Now, there is the possibility, I want to call this game out because it's 
uh, we we just recorded an episode of Back and Pack Games. This was in my honorable mention list if we were like running out of time on the episode. There's a series called Battle for Middle Earth. It's a Lord of the Rings RTS game, mm. and it's on the 360. It's really good, and it's possible that Fight for Middle Earth. This could be Shadow Shadow of uh, or Middle Earth Fight for Middle Earth. That wouldn't make any sense, right? So. I don't know if they do Shadow of Fight for Middle Earth. That wouldn't make any sense either, right? So I'm right. thinking that this could be an entirely new thing, uh, awesome. separate from the Shadow of series, which would be kind of surprising to see. But I would love it because growing up, Middle Middle Earth games were huge for me. Yes. I, I played uh, Two Towers. I played Third Age. You know, I, I played so many. Return of the King was a great movie tie-in mm-hmm. game. There were so many great Lord of the Rings games. I thought the Shadow of series was fantastic. I got to play Shadow of War. So I should really say I loved yeah. Mordor. Mordor was really fire. Good, really yes. good game, right? Yeah. It just, it was the free flow combat, familiar Ubisoft open world, but like there was enough new elements in there to make it digestible. Ending sucked, mm-hmm. but yeah, beyond that, really, really good game. And I'd love to see more of it. And yeah, the, the, Elia is entirely correct that really the only news has come out is, is that they've locked down the Nemesis patent. So you're only going to see it in these games, which... I guess mission accomplished. I'm a little more excited for them because I know it's the only time I'm going to see Nemesis system and not yeah. see it really be evolved upon. But I do remember Carrick and I talking about uh, the Nemesis system and he made a really good point that it's kind of broken in Shadow of War. And there were like a lot of encounters that he was having that made zero sense where people would like recognize him when he never encountered them or mm. uh, call back to killing him when that never occurred or they'd have like the wrong name, wrong position, mm. that type of stuff. So... He did have a pretty shitty experience with it that I wanted to remind the audience of just to fair. balance things out. No, fair. Fair enough. Josh Correa is next. Hey, Dukes. With Xbox starting to flex its performance muscles with Dolby Vision, I have a question about another hopeful boost. When it comes to Bethesda modding on Skyrim, it's currently limited at 5 gigabytes and Fallout 4 at 2 gigabytes. Do you think we might see an increase in size to these modding limits? Do you think we can possibly see... Beyond Skyrim, Sky Oblivion, Skywind, Fallout London, and other massive Bethesda gaming mods on Xbox Series consoles in the future. Defer to you, sir. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I um I picked this one because I know with like the re-release of Anniversary Edition uh, for Skyrim and uh, th- there's going to be a reignited interest in modding for sure for console users and. One thing a lot of people don't know is that these limits are dictated by the console manufacturers. They are not Ah. chosen by Bethesda. It is by Xbox. It is by PlayStation. It's why when Bethesda was having a big issue with console mods on PlayStation, they were very quick to throw PlayStation under the bus sort of as a scapegoat because they could not do the simple things that even Xbox was doing. So new assets... All that stuff was not possible. So the mods on PlayStation for consoles are not bad in terms of who makes them, but they're bad in the sense of uh, exciting new additions to your game. Just go ahead and look, compare and contrast. It is a night and day difference. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the reason that they are limited is because of the console manufacturers. So it is possible we could see an increase in the modding limits, but you have to remember that this is calling power from the console that's reserved for other things. So there's much more that gets impacted when you allow games to borrow more power, depending on what, how much you're loading in, um, there's something there that has to be allotted, which takes a little bit more consideration than people are expecting. So does that mean that we could see these 
very large scale exciting mods like Skyrim or Beyond Skyrim, Sky Oblivion, Sky Wind, etc. Uh, my answer to that is no. Number one, you know, I'm friends with a lot of modders. They've said a lot of times it's just a pain in the ass to bring these mods to consoles. And when you look at something like Beyond Skyrim or Sky Oblivion, these truly expansion size, sometimes full game sized right. add ons. To then bring it over to console where it, it's not really supported with the file size limits and, and much more that goes beyond that, it just will likely never happen. Yeah. And it's a sad situation where if you want to play these, you got to play them on PC. It's, PC. It's, yeah. it's, it's it just sense. that. It's just it that. Makes- so, yeah, it, it really doesn't go beyond that. Sadly, it's a boring answer, but it's it's the, uh, the only answer. <laughs> yeah, I defer to you, man. That definitely makes perfect sense, and thus why they probably set these uh, console size restrictions yeah. as far as what they could bring. I'm sure they could increase them a little bit, but not so much that you're going to get those large scale mods. I, like for example, I could see Fallout 4 balancing out to five gigabytes, like Skyrim, but right. also those are two drastically different games. Skyrim is a 2011 game. Fallout 4 is a 2015 game. There could be something there under the hood that if they add even an extra hundred megabytes, they're like, oh god, everything's falling apart. So yeah. We'll see. Uh, I definitely wouldn't be surprised, though, if they increased it on the Fallout 4 end of things, but I think 5 gigabytes on Skyrim's the most they'll do. Gotcha. Fair, fair. Christian Turnbaugh is our next write-in. Dearest Matthew and Lord Cog. Like the winds bring the rains to satisfy the crop's thirst, we have again had our spirits dashed by the one they call Ubisoft. They hold our beloved General Fisher in the stockades with little hope of release. Lieutenant Raygun is putting together a daring rescue to release the general, but it could be folly. Gentlemen and Lord, dost thou think all hope is lost? Will General Fisher ever return to us? Signed, Lieutenant General Duck Nuckum. <laughs> yeah, it ain't looking good. <laughs> Listen, man, you know how I feel. I wish Ryan was here for this one because he and I share this, that... Love me some Sam Fisher, man. Love me some Splinter Cell. Right. <laughs> and um yeah, Ubisoft ain't they 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 out here being so disrespectful, man. <laughs> it's at they, the point they, where you deserve it. it. It's so like you see him pop up in some mobile game foolishness. Mm. You see him pop up as a side story in Ghost Recon, Wild, whatever. And I'm like Come on, y'all. Y'all yeah. know what people it. want. But I, Ryan said it best on, like I said, recent podcast a lot. It's just that, in actually, besides him, shout out to him, Paris, and I believe Elena Pierce, there was a thread going on maybe like two days on Twitter about this. Really? Like Sam Fisher, Splinter Cell. And I think Ryan made a good point. It was like, as much as we want it, with the way Ubisoft is constructed now, live service, you know, would we really want it, right? Yes. Okay, you beat me to my point. Yes. Bro, you see, you young Ryan. See, young Ryan was thinking like, oh, right. <laughs> so you the next. You the next. Of course. It makes sense. Follow them up. Synergize, right? So, like, the end of the day, it's like, I re- as painful as it was to read Ryan say that, I was like, damn, he right. Mm-hmm. He right. So you think it would be what we want, but not the, the Ubisoft the way they're constructed right now. They don't believe in that model. The way the way Splinter Cell is constructed, there's no monetization model. There's no massive. It's literally from a time 
a game with it's it's like it's really a weird game with a triple a budget that doesn't fit any of today's monetization sensibilities so sadly you know it pains me to say i just don't see them do it the only hope i would have is that you know my long shot hope was that there were rumors that ubisoft would go in you know in bed with microsoft as far as like how ea did with game pass Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing and if that was to happen i don't even know if it's possible can they you know, Microsoft pay for the exclusive, I, I you know, IP. I don't know the, the inner workings of it. That's the only hope because Ubisoft themselves, they are they are literally trolling us at this point, bro. Yes. They are trolling us that, yo, we are not doing that. But you're going to get this mobile game. <laughs> you're going to yeah. get them in the car. What you think? Go ahead, man. What, what you think? It's hard to add anything beyond what you've stated. You did it perfectly. And I think that, if you want Ubisoft to make a Splinter Cell game, you're thinking very short-sighted. It's just... I like some of their games. Like I like what they've done with Assassin's Creed. I know many haven't, but I've enjoyed the last two Assassin's Creed games that have come out. But I look at something like Far Cry. I look at the Ghost Recon Boring Lands. I, I, I look at The Division to some extent nowadays. And Did you, you say Ghost Recon Boring Lands? <laughs> yeah. Did you? <laughs> that was wild disrespectful. <laughs> that was just like a flyby. That was a drive-by. I caught that. I was like, oh, a shot. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I, I'm sorry. That's a game that I think is is, is it's in the park of, of Godfall. Just passionately mediocre is how I look at it. And... Um, they have these moments, right? Like, again, I like what they're doing with Assassin's Creed. I respect the old fans who are like, I don't like how they've changed it. They've walked away from the Assassin's roots. I agree. But there was a time where when they were doing that over and over, when we got to like syndicate, yeah. for me, I was like, yo, this is so boring now. To get off topic a little bit, Let's shout out to it. Unity. Shout out to AC Unity. Did not okay. get enough love once they fixed it. It, yeah. it, it was, I think, where the franchise should have headed. It yes. just that that launch was so disastrous, understandably so. People were pissed. It still got issues, but didn't they fix it though recently? They, they, like it, they, they I haven't gone back lot. to it. They fixed a lot of it. I I yeah. recommend it to people. If you have like try ten it bugs, again. yeah, it's co-op. Yes, it's got, it's got a great open world. It's got assassination base, base missions with lots of ways to go about it. It's where Assassin's Creed probably should have gone. And I think mm. if it didn't fail at, technically as horribly as it did. If they probably would have taken that direction, but they ended up making an RPG series. And as an RPG yeah. guy, I'm like, hey, this is pretty good. Uh, but back to my original point, they've made so many of these games. And the other one standing out to me is their help with Mario and Rabbids. They did mm. a fantastic job with that. That was original, new, refreshing. That's what I want to see from Ubisoft, but that's not what they're providing. And now they've announced Assassin's Creed Infinity. It's going to be this live service platform with constant additions to it. So my question to the audience is, I understand where Christian is coming from. Why do you want these people making your your Splinter Cell game? They've disrespected you enough. They're going to do it again when they make that game because they're going to. But you're not going to get, like, even in 2013 when they did Splinter Cell Blacklist, which was kind of on the level of Dishonored-level gameplay freedom, you're not going to get that from them nowadays. You're just right. not. You're going to get something somewhere that comes up short or is bloated or is monetized. That's just how Ubisoft is. And I think the only reason yeah. they didn't do it with Mario and Rabbids is you got Nintendo in there who's like, mm-hmm. hey, that's not that's not what Mario's about. And Mario doesn't need that to make money. And it's true. But beyond that, like they they are such a company that that to me has quickly become far gone. And yeah. they can easily return, right? And hearing some turnover with the internal staff, 
I think in the next like half a decade, we'll have a better idea of how the impact was there because we've seen game pitches that we don't know how those pitches would have turned out, right. but that were against the Ubisoft formula of checklist open worlds and all yes. that stuff Yes, that were rejected. But now yes. with turnover internally, maybe we'll start to see those come out from them. But that games take time to make. And so that's me playing devil's advocate with myself right now. They need to earn that trust. Even something that, sorry, I'm rambling here, but even no, something no, that is new for them. I want to know if you agree with this. Have you played Immortals Phoenix Rising? Oh, uh, I've played. Actually, no, I didn't play. I've seen it, though. I mean, okay. I, I, it looked good, though. It looked good. I, I didn't just play it. It, it reviewed phenomenally. And yeah. not that it shouldn't have, but it it was a new IP, a brand new IP. Yes, and I, I think about 10 of those mechanics came from Assassin's Creed and Far Cry, but people were praising it for being something new. And I'm, I'm like, take the blinders off. They are recycling to you the same shit. And by the way, game development's a lot of recycled assets. That's fine. But these are mechanics, defining features yeah. that people yeah. have celebrated. And it's, it's just like, dude, it's a new art style. And, and it's yep. a, effectively an Assassin's Creed game at this point in time. Um, they're, they're, that's my example of look what they did to a new IP. It's not a bad mm -hmm. game. Mm -hmm. Just like I think most of their games aren't bad. Like I didn't give Far Cry a crappy review because I thought it was bad. I gave it a, a crappy review because it's the same shit again. And right. I'm tired of that. So yeah. do you, do people really want them to make this open world stealth splinter cell game that they'll absolutely do? I don't, I don't know why. Like I, at this point, people just want the satisfaction of them to announce it. I, yeah. Beyond that Listen, though, I don't think it's necessary. I think you're on fire because uh, shout out to, to Jez because uh, he's on Xbox too. Shout out to Rand as well. I know Rand doesn't get the love he he deserves. He thinks he deserves. We love Rand. Rand out chopped liver. He calls himself, but he's he's the man too. <laughs> no, we, but, we love um, Rand. Yeah, we love Rand. So uh, basically, Jez went on the rant of all rants on Ubisoft. Ooh. It was so it was so wild. I was like, he might he might get blacklisted. <laughs> oh. like, it, but he was telling the truth. He was just like, look. I am tired of this soulless assembly line style thing. And he would just, he literally was using examples that you use. And he went in on Far Cry and stuff like that as well. And it's just one of those things. Now, obviously, to play Devil's Advocate, I believe the chaos, but it's so chaos theory, the lead dev, whatever, is back in the building at Ubisoft now. So that's okay. Maybe a little hope, not getting too crazy with it. But yeah, no, nah, I'm with you. I'm we'll with see. you. It's just. We'll you know, the question, the last question I have before, before we move on is that is are the are the Splinter Cell games in Bacrapat? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think that to me that's is like another one. That's another that one. to me is the part I really frustrates me because it's like it's bad enough. You ain't going to make a new one. Can we at least go back to the old ones that you don't want to? Because if I recall, I don't think Blacklist many... is on. Uh, it says Xbox One. Right. But I don't but think the like old, old ones. ones. The first one was the, it Chaos the, Theory, like theory? a big one for Chaos Xbox. Theory was fire for like that's not on. I'm like, where is the back compare? Why disrespect the legacy? Mm. Like, why don't you want to even do that? That to me is egregious. You know, because you can say, okay, you know what, guys, we ain't gonna make it, but hey. You guys love it so much. Here you go. Mm. Whatever, whatever. And it's just like, because clearly they're not going to repackage it and remaster it. Oh, uh, Pandora Which Tomorrow, one? Xbox One X Enhanced. Okay, Pandora Tomorrow's there? Uh, yeah, I'm looking at Double Agent okay, okay. right now. Double Agent is available Back on compared? Series X. Okay, okay. I stand corrected. I just wanted to make yeah, sure no, no, that it's all right. these games are there. Because I'm just like, if they're not, that to me is like criminal. You know, kind of thing, but let's see. Hey. The original Splinter Cell 
Yeah, enhanced Xbox One. Oh, jeez. How come when I was searching, I couldn't find it? Thanks for I think it might be the 360 ones. Like, let's see here, Double Agent. I'm curious about Double Agent. Double Agent is Series X. What the fuck's going on? Wait, what's going on? Because I could not find these joints. Maybe I got to do a search. Maybe I didn't do a search for the Series X. No, they got Ubisoft on the cover. They should be listed. And they have Series X S enhanced? Logo ones? One X enhanced. One X enhanced. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Splinter Cell Conviction. Let's see if that's there. Let's go. Yeah, do Conviction. Do yeah, conviction. let's see here. Conviction is available on Series X, Xbox One. All right, I stand corrected. I apologize. No, you're, you're good. I, I thought I, thought I, I was you bugging. Would, here's the thing, though. I almost don't blame you because you would think with the way people are crying about this that it's not available anywhere else. And I get people want the new thing. I, look, I screech on this show about Fallout and Kotor. I am not acting like I don't. I'm not acting like I'm above you. I'm just saying... Be careful what you wish for is mm-hmm. my is my passing concluding comment. Be careful what you wish for because number one, let's say this game you don't like it, it does really right. well, and it, it that's the future of Splinter Cell now. So if they do mm-hmm. an open world kind of diluted stealth experience with checklist objectives, yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, that's it. That's what they're going to be doing from then on forward. So yeah, um, just be careful. Be careful, everyone. I agree. No, no, no. Your apps. Hold on. This is so weird. I'm doing it on the Xbox app, and I see when I search. But then when you try to actually go to download it, I'm getting a oops. Look like you can't do it. Really? Bro. All right. I see Splinter Cell. I see, let me see Blacklist. Download. Okay, Blacklist lets me download the console. You're absolutely right. But Splinter Cell OG, the the first like one Pandora does tomorrow. not. Let's see, double agent, double agent will not allow me. See, I'm I'm on, literally on the Xbox app. Yeah, right but now. it'll let you the other. Interesting. So, I, okay, maybe it's mm-hmm. available to put your disc in and play. Possibly, conviction maybe. download to console. Let's see, double agent. No, see, there's certain uh-huh. ones that give you the download to console option. See, maybe it's maybe it's what you said. Maybe there are the if you have the physical discs mm-hmm. for them. They, they, that's probably what it is. And, and it allows you to do that's it. That's very strange then. And then for some, maybe it's, it, they, they have a digital download co- counterpart. But I'm literally on the Xbox app right now, and I cannot download the OG Splinter Cell Xbox OG one. They won't mm. allow me, but. Okay. Interesting. I'm sure the audience will have some yeah. comments on that. They'll corrections. Correct me. Yeah. <laughs> any corrections. Uh, yes. I think that'll be a good, a good follow up to have. So Absolutely. for anyone who knows Absolutely. anything, feel free to write in on that. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to our last write in for this episode. Owen. Hey Dukes in recent conversation with some gaming friends of mine, we talked about how little the majority of us are using game pass. Personally, I have realized how little I use it. And when my three years runs out, I'll probably let that member membership lapse and only pick it up during major releases. My question is, am I likely in the minority of hardcore gamers? I personally think I just own so many games that I don't go to the well of Game Pass as often as I do with other media services like Netflix, Hulu, etc., where I don't personally own that much type of media. Will this hurt Game Pass in the long run after that sweet, sweet $1 per month upgrade wears off and we start paying full price for the service? Thanks, and have a mundane day, Owen. Thank you, Owen. Appreciate you. Yeah, shout out to Owen. Shout out to Owen. Is he in the minority? I don't know. It's a good question. Um, my gut says yes because you know when he says he's a hardcore gamer, he pretty much picks up a lot of games already. 
Mm-hmm. And I think the hardcore gamers like ourselves sometimes, we have everything. And and we don't necessarily some people feel like they don't necessarily need it because they already have the games they have. But right. I look at the majority and I look at the casual and I look at the guy that may buy two, three games a year total. Mm-hmm. Right. So for a service like Game Pass to that guy, it's going to hold more benefit because it's like, okay, especially if those games, those two to three games that he planned on blind for the year are in the service, then it makes right. sense for him to maintain the service. So that that's how I look at it. And then the second part of what he was saying as far as the $1 deal thing, I think that part is a little overrated because I think like everyone's acting like everyone is on this one, like the entire, you know what I'm saying? 20, whatever, 18, let's say it was 18 million, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. the number is. I know we still don't know for sure. You know, the Tech 2 CEO talking about 30 million. I don't know what the number is. Microsoft has not said it. And Phil has said publicly last we reported it was 18. So I'll just defer. I'll defer to Grub. Yeah, that was the PR speak. They're probably ready to announce the number when Went they're back ready. Back to that but media training. Exactly. Straight out to the media training he was on. But we had Grub on it. Grub said he thinks it's in jazz probably, you know, maybe that 23 or whatever. But anyway, my point being is that I do not believe all of those millions are on the $1 mm-hmm. plan. And I think that's a lot of things going on. I think that is like a a deal to get people in what is it three to six months or whatever it is right but i do feel a lot of people are not that's not the majority that's just my feeling i don't have the data i'm just telling what i'm speculating mm-hmm. but yeah i, I you know it, it is an interesting question i don't think it's a illegitimate question and right. it's up to microsoft to continue to prove value in the service with the games that they have yes so, yes and, and and like jeff said they got millions of dollars just sitting to the side ready to spend on game pass and they're gonna have to spend it and they should because as you mentioned they keep the service you know keep people in there month over month you need to keep announcing stuff like that's just the reality like that that is a hungry child that needs to keep eating constantly so that means that i think personally i have friends who subscribe and unsubscribe for for major releases like they'll sign up and They'll have uh, Back for Blood there. They'll play it both later. Okay, moving on. Save my money. Um, Because some people just don't have the money to keep it month over month. With that said, I think what they need to do is just, back to my original point, keep boosting that library up. The reason for that is because if they do that and you're signing up for that one game, you got to scroll through that whole library to get to that one game. And you might pass Mm -hmm. something that you go, what is that? What is that? And now... Now you're starting to feel that Game Pass fever that everyone's mm-hmm. got at least once where you're like, I'm going to download this and that. Ooh. Yep. And you start to realize how much more you get into that way. But I definitely have buddies who who have, you know, 100% just download, uh, signed up for a month, two months, and then pocketed their cash for another four months and then signed back up again. Uh, whether it be a dollar or 15 bucks, doesn't matter to them. They're like, you know, I'm not going to pay collective 60 bucks when I'm not using the service. I'm going to pay right. for it when I'm using it. So right. I think that... Um, this is totally reasonable. It's the same thing with Netflix and Hulu. I, I canceled my Netflix subscription a while ago. Really? Like I haven't been a Netflix subscriber for years, but you know, it's like one of those things where I was like, I'm not really using this and uh, I'll sign up. If there's something that catches my eye, nothing really has, but I also don't watch a lot of TV. So there's that. No, no. Yeah. I mean, good points. I think for your friend's case and for the instances we're talking about, that's why it's imperative on them to acquire studios right to Mm -hmm. to to have that 
game uh, release cadence, and I believe they made statements in the past. I don't know if it's like a quarter Quarterly. or a major game. Yep, one yeah, big like, release per quarter. That, right, and if you, you do that, combined with these third-party releases that we know they have money allocated for, and you have, like I said, October, we got Back for Blood this month. In November, you got mm-hmm. Forza. In December, you mm-hmm. got it. So that there's always a reason. And to your last point, I think it's great, is once you get in there, because I want to shout out my boy, Wilhelm Scream. He's a content creator, big content creator. And, you know, we, he's a Destiny guy. We're trying to get him to play. And he's, I was like, yo, there's a reason to get the console now. You get you get get your Series X. You get the Game Pass. Destiny's in there. Mm-hmm. And now he's in. He's like, yo, I didn't, I didn't know that. I was a big Halo guy. I didn't know all, all the Halos is in there. Yo, mm-hmm. I'm a big F1 guy. I used to love, I used to love that game. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, they, and he's they playing it. these other games. So it, yep. it happens. You know what I'm saying? It definitely Absolutely. happens. So it's all, it's all Microsoft to, to keep that going. Yeah. Will it hurt it in the long run? I don't know because they're going to invest. They're not making a lot of money upfront, if any at all. But I think because you got Microsoft at your back, you can do that. And not only that, but once you get to that set like hundred million area that they're clearly trying to aim for, it's gonna be a cash printing machine at that point. They're they're gonna make their money back so fast on the deals they've made. And again, some of these deals that they make have probably worked out in Microsoft's benefit. Like, oh, we got the big pop, the big marketing for Game Pass with this big announcement, and maybe they did a per download deal with someone mm, and that game didn't point. get downloaded all that much. And it's right. like, okay, well, we got the we got the marketing attention for Game Pass, but you know, it did it did all right. Like they, they we got a million downloads, so we'll pay them a million bucks. Let's say it's a bucket download or something like that. It's like, okay, cool. That's all there is to it. So yeah, yeah it's uh, I think they'll be fine. I don't think Game Pass is going anywhere. It's it's um I think that'll be more solidified in people's minds when you see it on like TVs and phones yeah. and, and all that stuff. Like as an app, by the way, like a dedicated TV, smart TV app. That's that's Absolutely. where I think people are gonna start to be like, okay. I don't think you're going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's their long-term play. And they, like I said, they, they're fully committed. Sideshare, the team, those guys, they're committed long-term. And my, the, the, once the, you see big Microsoft involved in Xbox, that's yes. what you want to see. That, that to me, is a good sign. So yeah, absolutely, see what happens. That's all we've got for this episode. Cog, it's been a fantastic one with Ryan joining us. Shout out again to Ryan if he ever listens back. We thank you for joining us, Ryan. It was it was great to meet you, talk with yes. you, get your insight on everything, and hopefully we'll get him back for a full episode yes. soon enough. Yes. Uh, we'll make sure to do that for the audience. But uh, Cog, any any closing thoughts? Yeah, man, fantastic episode. Ryan was just amazing. Love to get his knowledge on, on topics. And then you had your young Ryan haircut today, so I was really <laughs> appreciating that. Those comments are about to be brutal, bro. Those comments are about to be brutal. I, I already know. Like, ah, part of me want to do hashtag young Ryan. We can do that. I don't want to do you like that. I was like, no, that may be too much for him. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. You know, I, I, I don't I don't want it to come across egotistical on my behalf, but as no, long as it, as it doesn't, no. And we just hashtag DD Young Ryan, like yeah, yeah, Young Ryan, man, yeah. Young Ryan DD. <laughs> Ryan's gonna be looking at his, his mentions and be like, "What's going on, man?" He knows, he knows. <laughs> <laughs> he had the bit, you know, about about the, the resemblance. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So salute to that. I just thought it was fine. You know, look, man, the, you too, you're the young beast as far as I'm concerned. You're the you. you're the next. You know what I'm saying? The next class, the next. You know what I'm saying? And hopefully. That's, 
That was well, hopefully. It's definitely. Hopefully. Come on, man. You never know. Dude, come on. I told you already. I told you. <laughs> you were that guy right now. So it's it just super, super humble to to, to podcast with you. And Thank obviously you. Ryan got a chance to to meet it, to meet his, his future. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> meet his son. <laughs> to meet his son, you know, that's going soon, you know. Hey, look, man, I I loved it. I loved the dynamic. I thought it was informative and um why not? Why not padding mm-hmm. the game for one of the greats? You know what I'm saying? Let's okay. do that. Hashtag DD Young Ryan. Young you Ryan, let's deep, go. Let us know. Comments, Twitter. I'm at G27Status. At Lord Cognito is Cog. And at DMC Ryan is Ryan McCaffrey. Let us three know you got to the end of this show. You'll probably confuse Ryan in the process. That's okay. <laughs> we can explain that to him separately. But we thank you all so much for tuning in. And again, thank you for all the write-ins that we got. Uh, I I cannot stress enough how immense it is. That's not to put pressure on our audience. Just thank you. I I, I really do appreciate it. It makes those write-ups much easier because, again, I, I really shape the show and the conversations we're going to have around what it seems like you folks you are interested fantastic in. Job. So, fantastic job. Fantastic job. You don't get enough credit for that. And I'm glad one of the write-ins actually said that because I love it. It's very balanced. You hit all different. So you have fun with it. And then you also hit a lot of core topics, too. So I put a lot of time into it. So I'm, yes. I'm glad, you know, even if people quietly appreciate it, that's fine. I don't, you know, require people to, to cast me up. I appreciate it. Yeah, they do. But, you know, I, I, I thank you for saying that. And thank you to those who, who write in with kind words. But, yeah, I, I try to put a lot of time in this show to make it as, as good as possible. Fantastic job, brother. And with that, this has been episode 41 of Defining Duke. We'll see you all next week. Take decent care of yourselves until then and take care goodbye defining duke an xbox podcast is a product and trademark of last stand media and collins last stand llc and is recorded from the united states of america the show is conceived by matthew mr maddie plays schroeder and me colin moriarty and is written and produced by matthew schroeder Maddie's co-host is Barry Lord Cognito Eversley. Defining Duke's executive producer is Dustin Furman, and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Defining Duke, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level on Patreon, and we're thankful for your kindness and generosity. Andrew Morgan, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, SLDFMA, Jorge Palomino, Daniel D'Amour, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Tom Quinn, Sorta Serious Gaming, Unofficial Controller Podcast, Colin Farley, Zia Parix, Henry Groth, Joshua, Relentless Rex, Troy Miller, Meyer Katz, Jordan Mittman, J.A. Zhu, Tristan Palacios, Drew Mullen, Graham Plays, Christian R., Jad Rita, Kurt M. Gillenberg, Patrick Skipper, Sweaty Mitt, Chris Kelly, Dustin Graff, Peyton Stone, Roberto, Nick R., Josh Hallen Rui, Tyler Watkins, Troy True, Dan Root, Talisman, Christopher, Randall Halsey, Bobby Norman, Nuke Dukum, Jim Bob, 56, William Holbert, Dr. Stump, Josh Godfrey, Kalike Souza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Daniel Johnson, H. Trons, Jordan Peterson's Fat Hog, Ethan Davies, Jay Getter, Manuel Ochoa, Bjorn Campbell, Jeff Mercado, Gregory Slavinsky, Galja of Fortuna, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Poot, Gavin Newland, Saul Balcazar, Brian White, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Alex Bolton, Matt Martin, Kinnums, Joseph Baker, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Caswell, Anti Kinnanen, Chris, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Mason Cadillac, 
Black, Ali Fritz, Zach Allum, George Anthony Nunez, Kyle Hagel, Christopher, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., David Bostick, Stewie108, Patrick Montgomery, D.B. Cooper, Cody Bradbury, Tom Cargill, Richter86, Steve Hodge, Holfeldian, Ian Bravo, Barrett Boswell, Andrew Parker, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Johnny Waffles, Roto24, Jonathan Coach, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Brian Chan, Organic Produce, Shane St. Pierre, Carlos Algarit, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Josh Yeager, Martin Beck, Joey Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lou and Ray Loper, Jonathan Cortez, Dylan Burns, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Anton K., Brian W. Rath, Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bellow, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zaniga, Sean Battershall, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, James Kitzel III, Will Caldwell, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kiniston, William O'Carroll, Jesper Jansen, Max Cannon, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, Petro Rose, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Joey Gondhaliker, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, David Iacolucci, Paul Joyce, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayum, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Carson Peterson, Ryan Greenwood, Tyler Harris, Matthew Perdue, Patrick Carper, Mad Mock Media, Jonathan Rice, and Casual Misfits Gaming. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.